This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Sports powered by Sikkim365.com. Sanders off his back foot, caught first down and more down the sideline. Stop and start, Edwards. Touchdown, Colorado. Whoa. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Speaking of dirty, Joe Dirt. Joey Hobart. You can hear him all the way in San Marcos. 26-yard touchdown and a big smile for the first-year head coach at Texas State. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Peasley. Scott, touchdown is in! The point is good! Wyoming wins it! Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. I huge. In it running back. They're going deep. Jaquan Jackson. Got him. Touchdown Tulane. A 47-yard ball from Michael Pratt. And this offense is clicking. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Viewers with the snap, first down, fires over the middle, Sanders. J.T. the catch to the 20. Save it up to this one. J.T. Sanders, his first big hit of 2023. Now here's David Smoke and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go on this Monday, and I'm going to start with this because if we're not careful, we could just get so much that there's so much to get into from the weekend itself, and also, of course, there is some great ma- there are some great matchups this week, and some of them that lost some luster because of Texas Tech and Baylor and their losses. But we will get into that and try to methodically go through it all. So much to get into. It starts with Baylor's absolute disastrous opening game loss to Texas Tech when some cases it looked like Texas State where Texas State looked better 
in every way. Bigger, better, faster, and stronger, as Craig texted or tweeted during the game. There's the Dion magic in Fort Worth. There's Texas Tech and the collapse of having a nice lead early and losing that game as they went into overtime against Wyoming. And does that soften up what Oregon and Tech have on the plate a little bit later on? There's a lot to get to, but let's start with Baylor. They lose to Texas State, and it was a disaster across the board. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're going to have all week to sort of unpack that, but also, you know, we'll need to move forward um, because there is a much bigger game on the horizon, and that's the next game, and that's the, the important thing, and that's going to, be, going to be quite the challenge this weekend with Utah rolling into town. I think the, the theme, you know, from this weekend, just bottling up some of what you said there, was uh, three of the Big 12's potential contenders all got hit in the mouth uh, right away in week number one. And in the case of a TCU or a Texas Tech, you know, maybe the more optimistic folks uh, certainly thought, you know, maybe there's a chance that could be a playoff team, one of those. You know, TCU obviously had to replace a lot. There were some doubts about them, but Texas Tech enjoyed a, you know, an offseason of a lot of hype. TCU still uh, had a lot of momentum. And then, you know, Baylor, it was just a thought of, well, they're going to have to be better and, you know, you believe in Dave Aranda and that he's a good coach and that this was an aberration last year and they'll be back. And, you know, across the board, they all got hit right away. Um, and to your point, Baylor's of the three was the absolute worst loss, and it's not even close. Uh, you know, Texas Tech went to double overtime. TCU in Colorado was a shootout um, that, you know, TCU can look back on and I think Sonny Dyke said it like, hey, he had a couple interceptions in the red zone. I know you can do that with every game. You know, Texas Tech, uh, Joey McGuire saying afterwards, well, uh, on the you know the final play, well if uh, uh, the the that was the touchdown, you know well if our linebacker does this, you know everybody can do that. Um, you'd have to do a lot of that with Baylor and Texas State. There's yep. a, there's a lot of things you'd have to point to and say, well this could have happened and that could have happened and this could have happened and that could have happened and then bam that happens and then they win this game. That's how. Um, bad that was on Saturday night. Texas State rolled in. They dominated. Um, they were bigger, faster, stronger. They were better coached. Um, they played better. They played looser. They, I mean, they did it all better than Baylor did on Saturday night. That was a shocking result. I mean, I don't think anybody was ready to hang the national championship banner anytime soon. But that was a result that, you know, goes and just completely deflates the fan base right out of the gates after months and months of anticipation and excitement and build up and looking forward to a new season, especially with the way last year ended. I mean, just thank God football's back. And boom, they just drop one of the worst performances I've ever seen uh, them in person have. Uh, I mean, truly. And I've been covering them for, you know, like a decade now at this point. And I know people evoke liberty. That was worse than liberty, given the circumstances. That was absolutely worse uh, than than liberty was. So, um, yeah, a lot went wrong. A lot didn't look good. Dave Aranda addressed some of it this morning. And, you know, there's obviously some notes to get to out of that as well that concern this weekend. But, uh, it was a bad weekend for the Big 12 in, in, in some ways. It was an awful weekend for Baylor. I think if you're Texas Tech and TCU, as we'll get to, you can look at those games and say, yeah, that was disappointing. Those, those were bad losses. But you can see where they almost weren't that. You can see where they were, they were still very much in the game till the end. Uh, with Baylor, it was, it was not that way. They got straight up beat up by Texas State. We will have the conversation I had from earlier today with Dave Aranda in his office following his football Monday press conference that he had with the media. Uh, A lot of times when I'm there, I'll ask a question, maybe one or two. uh, But if it's also a day in which I have a chance to sit down with him, I will hold some of those back for the time I have with Dave Aranda. And I go over many things with him, including was Texas State the better team as far as 
I'm talking athletes. Uh, his thoughts about how can an offensive line that was destroyed by Texas State hope to improve in one week to face what is a, uh, again, that uh, big, huge ball of razor blades with Utah. Uh, did this team misjudge their talent? Among some other things, including his demeanor and his personality, which was fine when they were 12-2, and two, and now everyone says he doesn't have fire in his belly. That doesn't mean because outwardly you don't have a personality or you don't have that fire you can win with both type of coaches, but I ask him if this will test him a little bit. And was there or has there been any pressure from above following the loss to Texas State and a lot more? Let's get to some of the things also coming out of that game. Quarterback Blake Shapin is out. Dave Aranda mentioned he had an MCL injury. The MRI comes back, and he is out for between two and three weeks. That means he's out for Utah, out against Long Island, Okay, they're going to win that game no matter what, no matter what we saw Saturday, and then also most likely out against Texas when they come to town in three weeks or in two weeks. Also, that could be longer. Sawyer Robertson, the Mississippi State transfer, had some nice flashes. At at the same time, had a turnover, but at least trying to get more. Uh, He will be the starting quarterback. R.J. Martinez uh, for uh, uh, Baylor, who, remember, came as a kind of a walk-on type player, He's got some experience, probably more than anyone among the quarterbacks. We might be seeing him a little bit, who knows, in their game coming up against Utah. Um, There's also other injuries. Do you have that one, Garrett, from Craig that were mentioned as well? Devin Lemire out the uh, two to three weeks with a dislocated elbow. And also Garmin Randolph, outside linebacker, one of the few guys that might be able to put pressure on quarterbacks, is out for one or two weeks with a high ankle sprain. So that's just some. That doesn't include all the other bumps and bruises and also the aches and pains. Well, Blake Shapin played well given the circumstances, and so I really feel for him. He went out and won the starting job for the second year in a row, did all he was supposed to do this offseason, had high marks you know, in terms of the way he'd stepped up as a leader and matured and done all of those things. And then right out of the gates, the very first game, I talk about the fan base getting deflated and all the offseason expectations. Well, we heard so much about how Blake had grown, Blake had grown in all this, and it was finally time to see it. And, you know, the good news is that we did see it. He definitely looked like a guy that was out there trying to lead. He was a guy that was trying to uh, play by example, was trying to fight through an injury. But by the end of that game, he was halfway wrapped up like a mummy. Um, He was clearly in a lot of pain. And uh, he was struggling to move a lot. And it was clear that he was hurt. And, you know, then Aranda lets it be known that, yeah, he had an MCL injury. And, you know, your heart sinks for the guy because he worked so hard to get into this spot. It's the nature of the game. Um, But those are big games that he's missing. And he has a lot of experience that, you know, even if he was starting and completely healthy, I don't think that flips the results or predictions in anybody's minds for those games. But you would much rather have him than not have him. Um, and after all his hard work, that's just really a shame. So hopefully he can be back sooner rather than later. You know, as far as the um, the other two, I mean, those hurt as well. Those are a couple of starters on defense. But given the way the defense played, you know, I don't I don't know how much that'll be noticeable. Like those in those guys in particular, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not good that you're losing, especially a guy like Garmin Randolph, who's played quite a bit, is one of your bigger, you know, more physical guys, and you're going to need that against Utah. And then the secondary, uh, they were, you know, taken advantage of in a lot of ways by G.J. Kenny's offense, and to now be down one of your starting safeties uh, when that was already a problem as well is uh, just more bad news. So it was, it was a rough weekend, a rough Saturday, and, you know, at least the good news is with those three injuries is all of them are within the couple weeks range. Of course, that can change, but 
it's better than the out six to eight weeks, and it's better than the out for the season. So if there's a positive or a positive spin you can put on it, I guess it would be that. But, yeah, those are three losses for sure that uh, you'd rather have on Saturday. Shaping 21 of 31, 303 yards, two scores, uh, sacked a couple of times and many other times, was having to move around in the pocket. Uh, uh, Average 9.5 yards per attempt, which is a pretty good number. But the problem, again, is they aired it out a little bit, but it did seem to be very conservative for the most part. They also could not run the ball, which I asked that question in the pregame. What happens if they can't run it? I don't care who they're playing. They're going to have trouble. Well, and I told you, I said, if they can't run the ball, then what are we even talking about here? Because that was the big, you know, theme of the offseason was going to be the strength of the running backs. Well, you know, the problem is they didn't say anything about the strength of the O-line. So, yeah, you might have a good running back room, but if nobody can block, then it doesn't really matter. And that's what we saw on Saturday night. We saw an offensive line that was woefully uh, below what you would expect the standard or what you would expect to see in this first game. Um, and that was alarming, and it was very obvious from the outset as the running backs just really becoming, weren't even involved you know, at, at various points of that game, whether because you were trailing and you had to pass the ball or because you just simply couldn't run it um, no matter what you tried, how that changes against Utah, I have no idea. Um, and that's the alarming part of, of that performance on Saturday was that a lot that went wrong wasn't like, oh, well, we'll fix that, or it was just drop passes. It was drop passes, but it was also not being able to block. It was not being able to protect your quarterback or get a run game. It was, uh, it was a doozy of a night, that's for sure, here in Waco. So there's that. Now I'm going to play one comment from Dave Aranda in a today's press conference uh, because obviously – Everybody had to feel the wrath of everybody else uh, after the loss. Then we're going to get into Colorado, Dion, TCU, Texas Tech, Wyoming, and the rest of the Big 12, and Kansas is going to get their quarterback back this week. And what a week it was for the Pac-12, and so much more, including the games coming up this weekend, plus a couple of other notes uh, that we'll have from the weekend from some tweets and also information. So here was Dave Aranda today. Uh, and, and discussing this and that. But I, I had to ask this question to me that was very relevant based on what happened Saturday night. David, which, which conversation was more difficult since Saturday with your players or your staff? Uh, they're both. They're both difficult. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that, um, you know, I think staff-wise, um, there's been, there's been, you know, you're, you're down in a valley, you climb up a mountain only to find out, you know, the start of the season and there's more mountains. And, um, you know, you're, you're kind of hoping that you're kind of reaching a peak and you're kind of taking off. And for that not to be the case is, um, you know, I think it's one, of the, it's one of the things with this sport, much like life, you know. And so I think having that talk with them on, uh, hey, let's, this is what it is, uh, what, where, where are uh, our faults in it? What can we improve? Um, you know, um, a lot of those talks have, that's what's been the last two days. And then with our team, it's, you know, to, hey, this is what you did. This isn't who you are. Um, I've seen, we've seen who you are. We want to be able to put that on tape. We want to show the world that. And so I think it's kind of holding that together. And um, I, I think there's a ton of leadership in that room that's going to help with that. But both of those are hard. Anytime that there's a disappointment, it's difficult. I, I do know there's no question there has to be pressure on what happened with the coaching staff because it, it was not good. Uh, and that doesn't mean 
that they weren't prepping or they didn't coach their butts off, but something didn't work. And let's not forget now, you have a new defensive coordinator in Matthew Pallage, a rising star in the coaching profession, first ever game as a defensive coordinator. And, uh, and, and how much did Dave Aranda help him with that? But to me, even though they were blistered on defense, to me it was still that they just had nothing really in the tank when it came to the running game on offense. Yeah, and let's let's just summarize it this way, and I, I want to get a little further into that. But for all the folks out there that aren't, you know, tapped in here into Waco or just loosely, it's like we're following, you know, Cincinnati and what's going on there, or Iowa State and what's going on there. Um, disagree with me if you want to. I think it's fair to say that any talk about Dave Aran in the hot seat leading into last Saturday was completely ridiculous. Yep. Like, there's nowhere where I, I would agree that that was the case or even in the works and that it would take a disastrous type of season over the long haul, some really bad losses to to put him on there. I think Saturday was bad enough that it immediately bumped him right onto that conversation and and, to, and onto that hot seat at where they're going to have to dramatically improve uh, soon and over the course of the next few weeks to, um, to change that conversation. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I, I also know that they had, remember, and, and it's always a part of when you extend somebody, the buyout is very large or what they would owe him, but that was unacceptable. And yeah. in fact, in the post game, and Craig, you were there, I, I asked him, is this acceptable? Uh, and it's not. It was an absolute, just horrifying night for Baylor when it comes to who they are, who they wanted to be. And, um, and, he understands that. Believe me, he understands that. We'll have Mac on tomorrow, Mac Rhodes, and we can also follow that up. But, yeah, there's uh, let's put it this way. It's kind of like when you have a heating pad and you turn it on. It takes a while to get warmed up. It depends on what notch you're on. But I do think that, yes, this is it's not all fun. Uh, he'll give you an interesting story. We're walking from the presser to his office to do the interview. He went to use his security, like I don't know if it's a fingerprint or whatever, the security number. It would not open. The door would not open. And he said to me, and this is with a lot of, like he feels the pressure, you know. Although he says in an interview a little bit later on what he thinks about that, he was like, God, they've already locked me out of the building. It reminds me of the Jamal Adams uh, video when he's trying to get into the Jets facility. Yeah. And he's like almost starts crying because like, did they already cut me? And then somebody lets him in, and you can like see, you can feel the relief through the video because he had a panic moment. And I know Aranda uh, was joking, but no, there's some truth in that joking, you know, um, because that's the reality. Um, you know, it's not like the flames are like burning up, and if they don't make a move soon, then it's all gonna you know turn to ash. It's not that. It's just that. It's a conversation that some wondered when it might happen, like what it would take to get there. And that result on Saturday was bad enough that I think we've just fast-forwarded right to it. And to your point about the, the run game, that's what your entire offense is built on. That's and your it's personality. The one thing you yeah. could not do, and you couldn't do it at all, effectively whatsoever. Um, and so if the run game's not working against Texas State, what is it going to do against Utah and Texas and so on and so forth for 11 more weeks? Um, I mean – yeah, the game here in a couple weeks, Long Island. All right, you feel good about that one, but after Saturday, you don't feel good about another game, not one, on the rest of the schedule. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's changed in, in a quick amount of time. I like Dave Aranda a lot. I'm hoping he you know finds a way for them to go on a run, but um, that was that was bad on Saturday. Here's a, co this a, a note in the chat room, and then we'll move on to the rest of what we saw throughout the conference in America. Alan Williams, Aranda on the hot seat makes sense. Baylor has to stay relevant with conference realignment always part of the discussion. 
There's no question you could fall into oblivion. And, and Baylor's been there before, and they surely want to make sure that they don't find themselves all of a sudden with uh, three consecutive, what, what, two and seven, 12 and two, uh, last year six and seven, and whatever this year might end up with. Do you realize that they've lost five straight games? Yeah, no, I asked dating, you that. Yeah, yeah, dating back to last yep. year till now, they've lost five straight. And, and to your point, um, this is not a time for a program of that size and, and, and all that to be uh, in the situation that they're possibly walking into where there's a lot of uncertainty and the program starting to dip because a program very similar to you in TCU was just in the playoff last year and won a playoff game. And I know they lost to Colorado, but that one you can at least say, like, they could have won that game. There was, like, a thing here and there. And you know what? They chalk it up and they'll move on and they'll be fine. Um, Texas Tech, they lose a game. You can at least say, like, okay, there's you can see where it, it wasn't good based on offseason and hype and all of that, but you can at least see, like, where there was a win still there. With Baylor, you'd have to bring up, like, five different things that would have had to happen differently. It wasn't really that close of a game at all, certainly not compared to those two. So those two, they feel good about Sonny Dykes. They feel great about Joey McGuire. They feel great about the future. And then you have SMU, who's now jumping to the ACC. You got Texas State, who's now more exciting than you because they just beat you. And so you look around. Texas is going to the SEC. UTSA, despite UTSA, the loss. They love Jeff Trailer. They don't, yeah. you know. So, yeah, you look around, and you've got to be very careful for yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it was a bad night all the way around. Believe me, from administration all the way through the football program, you could feel it uh, in that game and also afterwards and throughout the weekend. Now, Colorado goes into Fort Worth. By the way, Beta at – Two years ago, they were at number five in the country. And what have they done since then to gain momentum? I don't know, but it's one of the questions I asked Coach Aranda. That will be at 4 o'clock today. I have to say this. Uh, I never expected. I, I knew Colorado would be better. I, I'm not saying I thought that we've, we've discussed three and a half, four wins. What I saw in how they beat TCU, and TCU did show a lot of explosiveness. Defense, not as good. Uh, running game, okay, but not as good. But... Holy crap. Uh, I knew Shadour Sanders was a very good player. I never realized he was that good. And I mean touch, the throws he made, the elusiveness, uh, what Hunter brings to the table as a dual threat, what Edwards did immediately as an incoming freshman. And I thought that their offense and defensive lines might be a weak point. And again, we'll see what happens attrition throughout the season. He could not have, Dion. No way. Could anyone, if you're a Deion Sanders book, you want to write a book, could you ever have expect, expected such a dynamic on national television win as we saw Saturday when they won the game at TCU in Fort Worth? Well, I mean, they expected it to hear him tell it, to hear the, the team you know, tell it in so many ways. They expected it. Um, he told everybody they were coming, right? And uh, right out of the gates, a just monstrous win for that program. You couldn't have drawn it up any better as far as being able to take advantage of the offseason and then just launch it even further you know, into the stratosphere. Um, that was... Uh, a surprising result, certainly. I, I thought TCU, you know, would certainly have to uh, deal with, you know, losing so many key pieces from last year. But I still I still believe they're going to be a, a good team that's going to win a lot of games this year. But I, I was surprised by, yeah, how just ready to rock Colorado was. And that's a testament to Dion and the staff that he put together, the players that they, you know, grabbed through the transfer portal. I mean, to think that there were still a couple key names, guys that didn't even get involved, like an Alton McCaskill, for example. Um, you know, Travis Hunter just launched himself. I mean, he was already kind of a pretty well-known guy, especially if you followed recruiting. But, I mean, now he's like in the Heisman conversation. Shador Sanders is in the Heisman conversation. 
He was incredible throwing the ball. I mean, they've they've got really good players. And, and I think, you know, when I've, I've thought about, I don't want to relate everything to Baylor, but they have a stunning lack of stars. Colorado has a plethora of stars. And if you've got some stars that can go out and do their thing, well, then you're going to have a good chance to win a lot of games in college football. And I think that's exactly what we saw on Saturday. The Colorado Stars played like stars. And they went out there and, you know. Uh, played loose. They played fun. Yeah. They they were confident. And Dion and Colorado win their opening game against TCU. There was a comment made by Sonny Dykes after the game that I thought was interesting. Phil Bennett will join us today, by the way, at 5 o'clock. This is one that uh, – Sonny Dyke said that TCU wasn't just outscored, outschemed, and outhit by Colorado. The Frogs were outspirited, outconditioned, and outnutritioned. Uh, I, I took that initially as an immediate, like pointing the finger, perhaps, at who was one of their MVPs last year at Kazkazadi. Who else could it have been at? Phil Bennett, we'll talk about that with him today at 5 o'clock. But he also then later on came back and said that he takes the responsibility for that. Well, I mean, that's why it's it's good to hear some of the context sometimes, too, because uh, that was in regards to Imani Bailey, who's expected to be, you know, one of TCU's stars and, and one of their, you know, key p- uh, pieces and running backs. And he had to leave the game after a pretty good showing, had to, had to exit because of cramps. And so one of the reporters asked him, like, hey, where was Imani Bailey? He was playing pretty well. And, you know, then wasn't in there for a key, you know, part of the game. And he said that, oh, well, he got cramps. And then he did. He put it on. He didn't say Kaz's name directly, but he put it on strength and conditioning and basically said, like, normally we're, you know, that's a badge of honor and we're very good about that. But I'm not sure what went wrong. And that's something else that we're going to have to revisit. So it was towards Kaz and staff in general, not specifically. But I think that was, I mean, to hear him say that, especially after all the credit given last year and just – you know, how that typically works where that's a strong suit of theirs. Yeah, that was pretty eye-opening of like, man, right out of the gates, you know, the, the thing that you thought was going to be really good was the defense. They had a lot coming back. Defense was awful. Um, you know, credit Colorado's offense for a lot of that too, but they just couldn't tackle well. Um, for a, a group that had a lot of players coming back, you would have thought they would have performed much better right out of the gates, especially as Sonny pointed out as well, like coming off the game they came off of. You know, I know you don't like just carry over momentum, but last we saw them – they were getting their doors blown off by Georgia. So you would have thought that even though it's a few months later and it's a different team, like that was still a motivating factor of like, hey, we're going to come out and we're going to like just go to work. And, you know, they got outworked right in the, the very first game. So, yeah, Amani Bailey, um, you know, that's just a hydration thing that they'll have to figure out. I'm sure Koss has taken that very personal because he's not typically, you know, or his group typically called out no in any no. kind of a negative way and that wasn't a call out that was just like yeah that's what happened was they just couldn't keep him hydrated and so that's on the strength staff but yeah defense wasn't very good um Chandler Morris had just a couple of awful red zone uh, turnovers um and that's the difference in the game you know potentially so I think you know as we were talking about with uh, a loss like to Texas State there's a number of things that went wrong and you didn't deserve to win that game TCU didn't deserve to win that game either, but a couple of things go differently, sure. and that is a different outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's why you feel at least okay of like, yeah, you lost, and it sucks, and it was at home, and it's to Dion. so now you're going to hear about it more so than if it would have been to anybody else, but you're not that far away. No, no. They, they, they're going to score a lot of points. Uh, Kendall Browse, the offensive coordinator, a couple of bad picks by Chandler Morris at the wrong time. 
Meanwhile, uh, Jalen Daniels, Kansas quarterback, did not play in their opening win last Friday night. He is expected to be back for Kansas as they will take on Illinois coming up this weekend. That game is in Lawrence. Uh, that is out there with Jalen Daniels back for KU. They won with being at quarterback. They're pretty good, pretty deep, and uh, now they get their star quarterback back at least for this week, it appears. And that's a luxury for them to have Jason Bean, Absolutely. who's been playing college football for like 25 years now. Um, but, you know, he's played so many snaps over the past few years that that's a luxury that you could rest Jalen Daniels in that opening game because of the back issue, which is a little bit like, uh, well, that's not the greatest thing in the world to hear right out of the gates, but you do have a very capable backup uh, or temp starter in, in Jason Bean, and, and that was evident on Saturday. But they're also going to be breaking out the all-black uniforms, and it's on a Friday. So it's going to be a, a unique game and should be a fun matchup, uh, the Jayhawks and Illini. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing how Jalen Daniels uh, performs in his 2023 debut. All right, so let's try to get to some more things. 10-4, uh, and four, the Big 12 in the opening week. The losses were Baylor, which was a disaster. Texas Tech in double overtime against Wyoming. West Virginia lost in a game against what is a top 10 and a really good team at Penn State, but I thought they played, uh, you know, for the most part, there was something that came out of that game. TCU, we just mentioned the loss to Colorado. Everybody else took care of business. And now this week you have Texas traveling to Tuscaloosa against Alabama. And a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of, a, I guess you could say, luster the shine off the Oregon at Texas Tech doesn't mean it's going to not be a great atmosphere in Lubbock and then of course Utah coming into Waco to take on Baylor Iowa State won they'll have Iowa in town for their game coming up this week now uh the Pac-12 been a really rough offseason for them do you have that graphic USC played last week the Pac-12 went 12 and 0 12 and 0 13-0 counting USC in winning their first game. They did not lose a game, and this is a stat uh, marking the first time that every team in the conference, the Pac-12, won its opening game since 1932 when some of those schools were not even in the conference. Yeah, that's a great deal for them. You just wish there wasn't the asterisk next to it, you know, for oh, yeah, everything but. that has, you know, yet to, to begin, which is all of the changes and – um, it'd be a lot better if um, you know what it, would it be though as as noticeable if there weren't the things to come as far as you know the disbanding of the conference or Probably all the not. teams that are leaving I think it does make it more notable because now we're focused far more on them but regardless I mean yeah that's that's perfect literally I mean a, a 13 and 0 through the first you know week zero uh, with USC playing uh, an extra game already and then you know, this week one, and, I mean, USC was dominant. Uh, Utah looked really, really good against Florida. Arizona State did not look good. That's, uh, that's you know, something to watch against Southern Utah. That was not the prettiest game, but I also know that there was, you know, um, I think it was a delay, and, you know, it just uh, it wasn't a pretty game for Kenny Dillingham in his debut, but, I mean, they still won, and that's really what matters in, in week number one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they handled their business. Washington struggled to pull away at least early on with Boise State, but eventually they turned that into a blowout game. Um, Oregon <laughs> threw 81 up on uh, Portland State. Speaking of that, hold on one second. This is, put up the note about the Oregon mascot. They scored 81 points, and here's a note. Because of the points they scored and because of the tradition of the Duck mascot doing push-ups, he ended up 
546 push-ups in that game for Oregon in the route that they had against Portland State. Yeah, that's that's got to be exhausting. And if you know, I know West Texas climate's a little bit different uh, than here, but if they go hang 81 on Texas Tech's defense, we might not have a backup mascot because they might pass out in this heat from uh, from those push-ups. But no, I mean they looked really good. Uh, Colorado obviously was a, a huge win for the conference, but again, it's one of those like. The Big 12 also kind of cheers that on as well, right? Because it's like, hey, that's that's going to be ours soon. And that was a Big 12 preview with Colorado and TCU. Cal handled North Texas. Washington State handled Colorado State. Arizona blew out Northern Arizona. So, I mean, yeah, UCLA, um, you know, eventually uh, you pulled away against Coastal Carolina um, with a big fourth quarter. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a nice weekend. And, you know, it's going to be one of those things where you're kind of uh, – you know, cheering it, I guess, if you're a Pac-12 fan, certainly, but also it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's surreal, weird. yeah. Yeah, because, it's, you know, it's like one less week of the Pac-12 existing, basically, and, and this is the end of it. So, hey, maybe like they expected, it's going to be this great story where they've got multiple playoff contenders and it's the most exciting, fun conference in the world. Time will tell there, but as far as week one, yeah, they definitely have reasons to, to pump their chest a little bit. Mac Brown became the first coach ever to win a hundred games at two different programs, as they had a, it was tough. They had to, they had to kind of grind it out, but they took care of business against Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. Uh, first time someone has had a hundred wins at two different programs. Of course, the great run he had at Texas, including the national title, and now with Drake May at North Carolina. And the biggest headline was him and Shane Beamer in the post game, and just the weird neck grab that that Mac did during the the handshake routine, but. Um, you know, just kind of a, a weird look there. You're like, what's going on? But, no, I mean, the Tar Heels handled their business. Drake Mays, obviously great. And uh, South Carolina didn't look nearly as, as good as I thought they were going to look. Um, I, I thought that that was going to be, a, a, you know, a better effort on their part. But, you know, credit the Tar Heels for going out there and handling their business and uh, pulling away the win there. So, um, yeah, Mac Brown just keeps on winning. And, you know, there's a time not that long ago where he was just retired, but he got that itch and came back. And, you know, he's done some good things out there in Chapel Hill the second time around. By the way, around the corner in about uh, 10 minutes or so, Matt McChesney, the former Baylor off- excuse me, Colorado offensive lineman, his thoughts about the opening week uh, with Colorado and Dion, among many other things. We get to Dave Aranda, my conversation with him at 4 o'clock today. Now, a couple of other notes. Here's a note about UCF and their quarterbacks. I thought I, I think this was a, a Brett McMurphy tweet. Current and former UCF quarterbacks, and of course they won on Thursday, combined to throw 13 touchdowns in week one. There's Plumlee who had a big game, uh, Keene at Fresno State, Castellanos uh, at Boston College, Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma put up 73. And listen, you can say whatever you want. Last year's team couldn't have scored 73 against air. I mean, they blew out and opened up with a nice, nice, huge win. And, and now, of, of course, SMU goes into Norman coming up this weekend. And then Parker Navarro at Ohio. So a bunch of former and current UCF quarterbacks throwing touchdowns left and right for, of, of course, the, the, the history and tradition at UCF football. Um, yeah, I mean, the relatively short history and tradition, you know, uh, compared to a lot of their peers but I think that speaks to just the uh, the coaches that they've had there as well and the recruiting they've done especially at the quarterback position um, you know whether it be Gus Malzahn right now or uh, it was uh, Scott 
Huh? Was it Heupel? There was Heupel. There's yeah. Frost. I mean, yeah. there's been a number of guys there, yeah. and you know, they all were offensive geared and have uh, you know produced some some pretty good quarterbacks. So yeah, I think you're just seeing the the transfer portal come into play there as well. The guys can spread out. And, um, yeah, I thought Dylan Gabriel looked really good. And, and Oklahoma, that's about exactly what you wanted to see right out of the gate. So, um, cool to see, you know, that uh, – I guess it's cool to see. I don't know. It's it's neat to see that all those guys have gone off and, and had success in week number one. But, yeah, I think that's just uh, the transfer portal at work. All right, final thing. And then we come back with Matt McChesney on Colorado and just the college football weekend. The players of the week in the opening week of the Big 12, Emory Jones, remember he was at Florida? Uh Cincinnati quarterback, the senior, accounted for in that game seven touchdowns in Cincinnati's win. Jeremiah Cooper, the defensive player of the week from Iowa State. Emory Jones, also the newcomer of the week. And special teams, it was both uh, Ryan Rikow, uh, Rikow of uh, Brigham Young and then Gavin Freeman from Oklahoma. As uh, Again, those are the first week's Big 12 players of the week handed out earlier today. When we come back, and there's so much more to get to, Uh, A lot to get to. But Matt McChesney, who we had on after the Colorado uh, news that they were joining the Big 12 that he was so pumped about, his thoughts about the first weekend with Coach Prime in Colorado, and this is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace, I was there on Saturday and, of course, off today. They're closed today with it being Labor Day. And, um, man, they had their their butcher shop was loaded. They have pork and they have poultry, and, of course, they have seafood, too. But they had the beef inside of their butcher shop ready for you for tailgating, if if not last weekend, this weekend, including tri-tip or brisket or sausage, what you want, and it's there for you. And then if you want to also just get regular uh, something for hamburger patties, if that's what you want to put on the grill. And then on top of that, the bakery with fresh baked bread and kolaches every day. Baylor in Utah is an early game, 11 o'clock kick, so you're going to be there early. They can have kolaches available for you. You can get them the night before or get them that morning and take them to McLean Stadium. And then on top of that, if you need other knickknacks from uh, pasta to even canned goods, they have that seasonings, marinated, what you need for what you're going to put on the grill or the smoker, Brian Bauer and family. Brian texts me over the weekend his thoughts about Baylor and that loss to Texas Tech. 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Texas State. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, General Manager, CEO Ted Teague, sending me their Labor Day weekend deals that are good through Tuesday, September the 5th, including 12466 off MSRP on a brand new 2023 Ram 1500 Limited Crew Cab 4x4. The Labor Day weekend is here at Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat. Save 12000 off MSRP on a brand new 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab 4x4 for the Labor Day weekend all the way through Tuesday, September the 5th. 12515 off MSRP on a brand new 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie 4x4. 11500 off MSRP on a brand new 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star 4x4 for the Labor Day weekend. Save up to 6000 off MSRP on the brand new 2023 Dodge Charger GT. Save up to 6000 off as well on MSRP on the brand new 2023 Dodge Challenger GT. Save $7,500 off MSRP on the brand new 2023 Dodge Charger R slash T for the Labor Day weekend. Again, all of these incentives, discounts, and more available at Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, the Labor Day sales weekend through Tuesday, September 5th. 
Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB, your bank for life, is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB, your bank for life. Member FDIC. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths of tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over 1,000 new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quickcrete, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values have it, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. We had Matt McChesney, former Colorado offensive lineman, on the show. I think it was the Monday following they they joined the Big 12. And uh, here we are. Even three new teams have joined since that time. And Colorado wins in Fort Worth. It couldn't have been a better debut for Dion and company. And we're joined by Matt McChesney, former Colorado football player, who was pumped up about joining 
the Big 12 in 2024. Could they have written a better script for Dion's opening game at Colorado? Matt, what was it like? Just, uh, I would imagine the texts, the convos, uh, the message boards, or, or however you interacted with fellow Colorado folks. What was that like? And when's the last time you can recall having as happy of a, a weekend as the one that the Buffaloes just had? So when he was hired, uh, Matt, what were your first impressions? And along with former teammates, he brought amazing excitement, electricity, uh, attention or whatever. But were you convinced with him?
Matt, so much was made about the, the number of transfers and the roster turnover, but shoot, we just covered a game on Saturday night where Texas State rolled in. They had 70-something new players on the roster, so Dion wasn't alone. He's just got the, the bigger spotlight, obviously, but it's just such a different world in college football now, isn't it? And I guess that, you know, the whole uh, new players and there's so many guys and how could it possibly work, but but that's the era we're in now, and, and Dion seems you know, better cut out for it than anybody. And, and now you've got some proof in the pudding of, hey, well, at least for one week it worked, and it worked, you know, super effectively. Sure.
<laughs> so the build up, uh, the excitement, the build up, and now they get that first opening win, Nebraska. I know you hate the Huskers. Uh, great rivalry. They had a tough loss to Minnesota. They've forgotten how to win themselves. And a different type style of team. Uh, how I can't even imagine, even if Colorado had lost that game, the buildup this week to Dion's opening game at Folsom Field in Colorado in Boulder.
Oh, Matt, um, yeah, that's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun to see that atmosphere and, and all that. And obviously, how could it keep getting better? Well, hey, go beat Nebraska and, and be 2-0. and But, um, yeah, when we when we last, I guess, um, you know, saw, I guess talked to, was the Big 12 news already official or not? No, well, no, not, not the new one. Okay, he, yeah, He was there the, so. the Monday after CU, Colorado joined the conference. And then since that time, Matt, They've added three more. Yeah, I mean, just what are your thoughts in general? I mean, uh, when people start to have the conversation about who could be the teams of the new Big 12 and all that, I mean, obviously Colorado and Dion are, are right there in that conversation. But just in general, what has kind of been the reaction and your thoughts and, and others as far as Colorado coming back to the Big 12? And, and, yeah, a bunch of new teams coming along from the pack as well. Oh, nice. Well, football-wise, they're both pretty good. And, and Washington State, statistically, data-wise, has always had a nice little showing when it comes to the, the numbers on television. It's unfortunate because someone's going to have to be left out. Had they been a part of the conference, it would not have affected me at all either way. It, it, it's unfortunate, but just the timing of all of this. Yeah, I'd, I'd say for me, I'd love to have them. I think they'd fit in great. I think they'd be perfect fits, as a matter of fact. But unfortunately, you know how this is. This is as much a business at this point as anything, and – because they don't bring a certain amount of, you know, TV or, or whatever, you know, general population or whatever factors, I think that that works against them. But I, I think they would be great fits, uh, Matt. I do. Sure. 
Hey, there's a couple of guys on the chat room, Matt, that uh, a, a lot of people love your segment with us and they remember the one you had on before. But you know what? There's a couple of guys that are kind of popping off. They want to arm wrestle you. You want to take on? I'll give him. I'll give them. I'll give you their address. <laughs> there you go. And then, yeah. Hey, and always appreciate your passion. Uh, what a start for Dion, Colorado. We'll see what happens against Nebraska, which is a huge rivalry. And uh, thanks for your time, and have a great week. We appreciate you. Matt McChesney with us on 365 Sports. I, I told Garrett Gard, his former defensive end at Colorado, who also had time in the National Football League. When we come back, uh, Dave Aranda, have a chance to visit with him every other week. Had no idea that today I would be talking to him about or discussing with him uh, the disaster from Saturday night against Texas State and what they do to move forward. I tried to ask questions that perhaps you wanted asked, but not just because you did, but because I think they needed to be asked. As far as the questions, Dave Aranda, about 10 minutes with him, is next, and this is 365 Sports. IdealMRI.com. Dr. Rob Maxey and his company do an amazing job of helping you with a couple of things. One, finding out what pain you have in your neck, your shoulder, your lower back, or in my, like my lower back, my hip, things that all kind of eventually affect everything else that you have within your body that starts to change a little bit. If it's an ACL, an MCL, or whatever else, a blown knee, yeah, that's bad. And if somebody wants or needs an MRI, IdealMRI.com in the Central Texas Marketplace in Waco can help you with that. They have a state-of-the-art technology MRI machine. I've been in it. It is phenomenal. The Texan specialists are phenomenal. Those who set up the appointment, those who help you when you check in and leave, they are phenomenal. Recently called them up and I said, can you send an image from a year ago of an MRI to my lumbar, lower lumbar area to a, a doctor, Dr. Ackley? They did, like that afternoon, I even went by and picked up a disc. $497 is also how it can help you out because MRIs can be very expensive and on average about $1,100. $497 every time or less. And also find out what is the problem and what is hurting you, muscle, ligament, or more at IdealMRI.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you can't make it to Riverbend, DoorDash is available to bring it to you. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who as children had bad experiences, and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old, and they come every six months, and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma, and they have to come here they're used to lights, they're used to water in their mouth, they're used to experience, they already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight year old that's never been in the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers everybody the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Chris Cobb, by the way, in the chat room said, I'll wrestle him. 6'4", 320-pound Chris Cobb in the chat room. Uh, that That's okay. a dude right there. So right. that would well, be interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, if we ever blow up and we start having our own like rough and rowdies, and that would be one of the first matchups that we could have, or, or Barstool could just take that matchup. That would be a good one. But, uh, yeah, Matt, that was, that was really cool to talk to him and just sense all the excitement coming out of Boulder. You know, the, I couldn't help but think, though, of like, what happens if they go and lose in Nebraska this weekend? Like, oh no, the, you they, know, they'll be they'll be a little bit of a letdown, right? No, question. no but yeah. I mean, the excitement's through the roof. It couldn't happen at a better time for the Big Twelve to bring them back into the fold. I don't think, but yeah, I mean, that's the I think the only part that you gotta have to stop yourself a little bit after this past weekend is go. 
Oh, yeah, that was just one game. There's yeah. 11 more of these bad boys coming up. But, no, they, they looked really good, and they've got stars. Um, they've got some stars, and we didn't even see all of them. Like, Alton McCaskill's not fully healthy and, and didn't play in that yep. game. And, you know, there's there's some other guys that we'll see moving forward. But, yeah, that was impressive. A perfect cracker. I'm a 6'5", 280-pound ex-defensive tackle and a cop. <laughs> I would be okay with it. Man, we we might do some cage matches. Start to put a card together here. So we have discussed Baylor's disaster against Texas State. And and, and you kind of – you know what's weird? And I don't want to say this because they could have come back and won the game. But when I felt like I had not seen anything new at all was Baylor forces a punt. They get the ball. They go down inside. They're at the one-yard line. Opening drive of the game. And damned if they don't jump off sides with a false start. That was something that happened, I don't know how many times last year. It might have been less than I think. Uh, they did it again later on. They just, it, 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 it's like, oh my God, here we go again. And that was before they started getting torched a little bit with what Texas State. T.J. Finley, who was at Auburn, he was fantastic. Baylor's Man. quarterback play was good. It was good. It was, it was good enough to win. But T.J. Finley, from where we sit, he throws the damn ball on a dime, and I mean with velocity. He also fumbled a couple of times, almost three times, and he's got to take care of the ball. But he is, and that's the reason why he was playing quarterback or at least was recruited to play quarterback at Auburn. He has a gun. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, he's got size and he's got a gun, and he was just he was kind of like a man among boys against a smaller Baylor defense in some ways. I mean, they, they could not bring him down or get to him, I mean, for that matter. I mean, there was, there were so many problems um, that it, it's easier to just list what went well than what went wrong. I mean, I think that that's, that's fair to say, and I could do that very easily because the good category would be about three things, in, on uh, you know, at, at mine right now, and I can think of like about ten negative things, um, but yeah, he was very good. I mean, there was thoughts about who was going to be the quarterback, right? It was going to be him or Malik Hornsby. Well, G.J. Kenny's got himself a pretty solid room, and he went with Finley, and Finley, uh, you know, did the thing. Uh, he, he performed he really well. He was, uh, you know, the, the stronger uh, quarterback, I think, of, of everybody we saw, and certainly he had better help around him um, in terms of, you know, being – uh, able to sit back there for more than half a second before getting slammed. And even then, when they got to him, he was so big that they couldn't, couldn't even really, it. you know, get get him. So, yeah, um, Texas State played really well, and, and he was a big part of that. But their skill guys played well. Their O-line was good. Dominant. I mean, yeah, they were. They were dominant. Um, and, and just on and on and on, on and on and on. Texas sports fan, congratulations, Texas State sports fan. There's a good chance that at the end of the year, the loss to Texas State – might look like Kansas State's loss to Tulane at the end of the year when Tulane, of course, eventually won that game, the Rose Bowl, uh, inside the Cotton Bowl. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, after that game was over with, uh, you had to start having the conversation. Me, the Cotton Bowl, I'm sorry. I said Rose Bowl. Cotton Bowl, go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, there was – at some point in that game, it was so bad that you're like, it's time to have the conversation about the hot seat and and whether or not – we're going to have to start looking that direction. And I never thought we'd be doing that in week one or really even this season at all. I knew there was a possibility of it, but certainly not this quickly. But that was the kind of game where where that is the case. And uh, I think you're right, though, that Texas State is a good team. You know, it's not like you lost to some garbage team that, you know, you were just worse and worse. Texas State was really well put together. Especially, we were just talking about Colorado and all their transfers. I mean, Texas State had even more transfers than that, I believe. And uh, they looked like a team that had been playing together for a while. They had some, you know, some playmakers. They were well-coached, um, well-conditioned. I mean, I, I 
rave reviews for G.J. Kenny, and the sky's the limit for him. But the only thing is that he's going to be a hot commodity sooner rather than later. So when the, the Randa, you know, you're like, oh, man, what's this going to turn into? I had a couple people who were like, well, G.J. Kenny's pretty good. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I know it's a little early for that. It seems like he's only been a head coach for, what, a year and one game at this point. But he's certainly a rising star. And, yeah, you're going to hear a lot about him. And, and so long as he's in the San Marcos, a lot about Texas State. Uh, Texas State for sure. All right, so Baylor has Utah coming in this week and a lot of more. We're going to get into the rest of college football. We'll also hear from J.J. Joe and Phil Bennett will join us. His thoughts about a lot of things, college football. And also, eventually, yes, we will lead you into the week that has some great games coming up, a couple of them, though a little bit of the luster loss with Tech, Oregon, Baylor, and Utah. I'll say this for Texas State before we get to Aranda. Uh, UTSA coming up this week, so not slowing down, and, and that will be a great measuring stick, and that is going to be super interesting because of the head coaches. Uh, the fact that the the uh, the mentor and the pupil are going to be clashing with uh, G.J. Kenny playing his old high school coach and Jeff Trailer. That's yep. going to be really interesting. And, and now a lot more sauce thrown on that game because Texas State just beat Baylor and UTSA is pissed off because they just lost to Houston in a game that I know they feel like they should have won in the end. But uh, that, that'll be fun now. And In fact, Mike Craven, who joined us last week on his article with Matt Palich, uh, he's doing a feature that's out right now from TexasFootball.com. Look him up on Twitter, too, uh, about the connection between Jeff Trailer and also G.J. Kenny. They meet this week. Here is my conversation with Baylor football coach Dave Aranda. Baylor football coach Dave Aranda with me. David Smoke on 365 Sports. Um, since the Sugar Bowl win, mm-hmm. nice little segment of a part of the season last year, now a five-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. Have you as a program, in your opinion, taken advantage of that high high in the best team Baylor's ever had? No, I appreciate the question and um, um, appreciate the time we have here. You know, I, I look at it as, the, or the way that I would look at these last couple games, if, you know, we bring up last year, um, it would be, um, you know, the the opportunity to get fully aligned, to get the the right uh, people on the bus, so to speak, and the difference that, that it makes when you have that and when you don't. And, um, you know, I, I think even with 21, we were kind of, um, we were, um, I don't know how aligned it was, you know, even then. And so the the players and everything else kind of made it right. And so then I think moving forward to this year is the alignment with coaches and players. Everyone's on the same page. I, I just feel it's just different. It's a different feel. I know that the results on uh, Saturday night uh, for sure do not show it. Um, but uh, I'm still uh, very optimistic and excited about what we can accomplish knowing how aligned we are. Is there any chance you may have misjudged recruiting or who you brought in? No, appreciate that. I think it's um, one of the things that's that's important uh, to me with recruiting is to bring in people that are just a fit for Baylor. And so that has really been the number one thing, um, more so than... than uh, really probably anything else that they have to build a fit. And um, I just think in the past, um, you know, I think in 2020, not completely knowing Baylor and, and 
recruiting with a couple weeks and everything else and working specifically for the best player, I think that was harmful uh, to our school and our team. And I just think that it it takes um, a special person to um, really kind of get into the culture here and um, and to be to be a uh, a vibrant part of this community. And so I look at that number one. And so we have a really strong kind of uh, review and consideration for that. And then we get into the player part. And so as far as that is, I feel really strong about that. But you have to win. I know you don't want to, like, do anything to win because it's gotten programs and troubles in the past. But having, like, a bunch of nice guys and a fit, you have to still win, right? Correct. Correct. And I feel like we will. So um, in 2017, when you were at LSU, you lost to Troy. Right. And it was like, oh, my God, what happened? Then you bounced back and won, I think, five of the next six with Alabama being the only loss. Can you draw upon that analogy or that example right now? I think you can. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think you can. I think you can see that when there's um, there's failure, there's always an opportunity. And I think if you use it the right way and, um, you know, there's not from coaches and players, you know, personal agendas and kind of self-protection and blaming and me versus you. If there's not that, then there's an opportunity to kind of um, dig a little bit deeper and get to the truth of things and uh, kind of connect on those on those things. And so I've, I'm, I'm confident that that's what's going to happen this week. So you play Utah. We know how good they are. Someone explained to me one time that they were like a ball of razor blades. And I know they even play without their quarterback, and you're about to play without your starter. What makes them so good? Because it seems to me that would be the style and personality you would like for your football team. That's right. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, they play physical. They play violent. uh, They play fast. And so of all of the things, the biggest disappointment was in that, that that we were not that. And, uh, you know, I had every every indication that that's what it was going to be, but it wasn't. Was Texas State more talented than you? I don't think so. I think they're, I mean, I know they're a talented team, and I give them all the um, all the respect. I mean, I thought that they did, they did a great job with their offensive game plan. I thought defensive game plan, they were able to um, manipulate our wide zone and cut it up and get, get balls to uh, to cut back. You know, they were... Uh, blitzing into it and planning into it, which would, you know, in the past here, it has been something that um, offensively, I think Grimey and Eric would tell you, they would invite it. And um, this was not something that was seen before, and this was something we just had too hard of a time uh, adjusting to and uh, really didn't be able to fully adjust to it until the third quarter. And it was it was too late by that, t- by that point. And so a uh, big failure on our part, you know, and so I thought they had a really good plan, but I thought, you know, um, there's good talent there, but we've got good talent here too. We have to play greener and faster and more violent uh, for all of it to come out. You've mentioned that this is something you've been, you've talked to Tony Dungy about this, that, man, when you were 12 and 2, you were a genius, you were the Jedi, everyone loved the way you reacted or didn't. And then when things go bad, it's like he's not 
like vocal enough where he doesn't have passion within his gut. Does this challenge you right now? No. Um, I appreciate that, though. I, I generally try to stay away from uh, all of it. Um, and so if that's the if, – if that is what's being talked about, then I, it's certainly not new. And I can appreciate it because I think everyone, if you're not that way – and that is such a foreign thing. And why is he that way? And why is he more like a normal, you know, this or that? So I can, I totally get it. And, you know, I, th- I just, winning helps that. So that's what we need to do. Your offensive line obviously had a very difficult game running, pass mm. protecting. I think I want to make sure that in the post game, you mm. even said we couldn't protect him. Correct. So what changes when you're playing a team that's even better? Yeah. Well, we have to improve, you know. And can you so, do that in a week? We can. Now, um, I think there's also just the – what's hard about going into that first game is there's always things you can you, um, you know and you can improve on. But then the weeks leading up to it, you see the improvement. And so it is not as if there wasn't blemishes or, or there wasn't, um, you know, bad stretches of play or execution that wasn't great. But there, there was kind of, um, you know – an uh, upswing or hey we're getting better we're getting the hang of it and so then as you go into that first game you're thinking all right we're going to take this step all right we're going to we're going to um you know we're going to come out it's been a, it's been kind of uh you know and um uh going to that far left corner i guess and so here's another step in that direction and obviously saturday was completely not uh, uh completely the other way and so to get back on that 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 trajectory of improvement, um, I think that's what we can control. And then uh, with that, I think knowing that what we completely know now, and having that into the pl- into the game plan and playing, minimize all the instances that um, that for sure showed up. I think is would be a smart thing to do. Matthew Pallage is a, a, like a rising star in the coaching profession. Mm-hmm. We know what he brings to the mm-hmm. table, but that was his first game. Do you feel? Like there was anything that overwhelmed him? No, I appreciate that. I thought Matt kept great energy throughout. I thought he was on the sideline making adjustments. I, you know, the the kids were completely. You know, when you I go over there and I'm seeing their eyes, there wasn't. Um, I've been in games like this before where there's a glazed over look, and it's like whatever you say is. Mm-hmm. Not I never felt that from them, and I, that's a tribute to Matt think and just the belief and the connection he has with them so i'm way appreciative of that i think that um you know i i I do feel that that a first game for a new coordinator or a new coach in any way is always going to be the first game there's just going to be a lot to learn from and to grow from and to get better at and you know calls that he wished he had back or thoughts that he wished you know he would have gone another way so i think that's there for sure uh, but I don't think that's anything out of the ordinary, and I think um, those are areas I can help with. Um, I just feel really good about Matt. I feel good about the that side of the ball. We're so much better than what we showed, and um, you know I'm looking forward to the next time out. You mentioned getting involved. Do you have to be more involved now? Were uh, you that involved Saturday night? On, appreciate that. Yeah, the my involvement's been more on defense. Uh, you know, I've uh, I've spent time both with offense and with defense, and so there is um, 
there's a good amount of time that I'm involved. I think this particular week I'm involved quite a bit uh, just because I know Andy so well and, mm-hmm. and um, have uh, scrimmaged against him and and um, all the spring games and fall camps and all of that at Wisconsin. And then um, uh, along with you know our performance on Saturday. So there's a little bit more involvement right now. And I think it's needed, and I think it's it's probably good for everybody. Last thing, do you feel pressure after what happened Saturday night? Is there pressure from, like, even administration or just internal pressure or outside? You can't listen to outside noise, but all of the above. No, I appreciate that. I, I, well, I, today I've been asked, are you okay, by five different people. <laughs> Well, heck, when we tried to walk in the building, you couldn't, your security number didn't work. I know. I thought they already kicked me out. <laughs> but no, I, I don't know. And, and um, I had to be honest with you, Smokey. Maybe I should. I, I don't. I, f- I feel, um, I feel I've, been in, I've been an assistant under coaches that I know have felt the pressure. And um, I don't know. It just, that's not something I want to be a part of. And so... I think there's another way of doing it, and um, I really want to be true to that. Um, and I realize that, that of all of it, winning is the most important thing. And so we're totally focused on that. And it doesn't mean because there's not, you know, um, um, banging doors and slamming chairs that no one cares or any of that. We're, but um, I like to do it, try to do it our way. And really get this win. It'd be I know everybody wants it, and I feel like everybody needs it. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Baylor football coach Dave Aranda on three sixty five Sports. You know, there's a way to ask questions, and and sometimes you you kind of listen back, and you wish you could have asked a few more. I always have kind of a little bit of a cheat index card on, on questions, and about half the time I don't even look at the ones that I wrote down. But I think that uh, what we touched on, whether you like his answers or not, I think what we touched on needed to be asked, and I, I do hope you appreciate the time we have with him and uh, also the uh, questions that we asked Dave Aranda after the absolutely just like, what in the hell against Texas State, uh, Texas State on Saturday? Yeah, this isn't a media outlet where one loss is like putting you on the hot seat. This is a product of having that conversation of, of five straight losses, and, and not just losses, but looking pretty bad in a lot of those. I mean, the Air Force game was horrific uh this game was horrific the k-state game with all the buildup for that was an absolute blowout and and right out of the gates you know the texas loss was heavily in their favor um and what was the and then you had the tcu game where that was the you know that was kind of the moment it all started rolling downhill was when they because you don't how they close out the year if they don't maybe tcu everything's different and (laughs) college football too college tcu's not a playoff team they're not beating michigan they're not you know a lot is different. The, the narrative around Baylor's probably different because do they go on and lose every game after that like they have since then? I don't think so, probably. Um, you know, so that that kind of ripped open a, a wound that just got infected and festered, and they've tried to clean it and, you know, kill off the bacteria and do everything they can, but there's just some, there's something still remaining there that they haven't quite been able to to get their, their full strength back. And it's, it's been odd to kind of see just this, this – slow and in some cases rapid decline and um yeah i think we all love dave aranda i think we all want him to do well and we'd love nothing more and i say we, you know i think people in general people who follow sure. the program i think we we'd all love nothing more than to see him 
build upon the Big 12 title rather than go backwards. Um, and I think that's a fair thing to assume. Like, I don't think K-State fans are like, well, we'll give Chris Kleiman a couple years to barely make a bowl game and, you know, have some embarrassing losses, and then we'll hope. No, like, they'll they'll start grabbing the pitchforks and the torches no matter how much they love him right now. And that's what's happening is he's got backing, but you also have to be realistic about the situation and what's going on around you. It's not even right. just about you. It's about what's going on around you. Look at their recruiting classes. They don't have any momentum. Um, look at the record. They're 0-1. I mean, they're they're facing Utah next week. There's not a lot of reason to think that that's going to be a different result. But I'll tell you what, if they could somehow pull that upset, if there was one way to just flip everything on its head, go beat Utah, and that would flip everything on its head. But It would also be stunning. It would be stunning because yeah. they played so poorly and have played so poorly now for going on, I mean, dating back to, like, December of last year, uh, November of last year, really, um, that, yeah, it would be shocking to see them do that. Now, is it possible? Absolutely. They'll be at home. Um, an early kick rather than at night, maybe. that I don't know. I'm, just, I'm grasping at things. It's, there's always a chance when you, you lace them up um, and you're on a, a, a similar level to the team that you're playing. So they've got, they've got a puncher's chance, but they're going to have to play so much better. They're going to get knocked out early in They're going to need, I think, and this is fair to say, and maybe they would have needed this anyway, but I think they're going to need Utah to like throw up on themselves, and they don't do that. No. They are not one that usually with Kyle Whittingham, who, by the way, is going to join us tomorrow. Utah's football coach, I'm going to record an interview with him tomorrow, will join us on this show. They don't play that style. That's often uh, the complete opposite of what their mentality is. Yeah, and just some of the areas that we saw that were lacking. I mean, offensive line, it was so poor um, that it's just hard to see how that gets – immediately better with just a few more practices and, and game tape watching. I mean, I, I think there should be some improvements, but to expect major uh, improvements I I think would be unrealistic. And just given what Utah is very good at, which is pretty much everything, but, you know, getting in the trenches with them and suddenly going from getting moved back by Texas State to, you know, getting around Utah or preventing Utah from getting around you would take a pretty – uh, dramatic glow up, and so we'll see if they've somehow got that in the cards. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I, I want Dave Aranda to succeed because I, I like the guy, and I think that he is a lot of what's good about college football, and I think he's a great fit for Baylor in a lot of ways. But you know, as he said, and I'm glad that he said it. It's like with anything else. It's like, well, how do we? How does this happen? You have to win. That's where it all boils down to. It's facilities. It's recruiting. It's you know goals or whatever. At the end of the day, you have to win. You have to win. I mean, just point blank, period. And and right now, they haven't been winning, and they haven't won in, in a really long time. Which is why, and when I asked him the question about where they are, and he was talking about recruiting and who they have, and I said, yeah, but don't you have to win? Right. Yeah, you can have. You don't want to. You don't. Every roster, you can have a bunch of choir boys, or you could have the perfect fit, and that's why I had to inject that. But don't you have to win? You need some turds. And, and you know, again, along the way, and that is something I'm sure that they're having to really discuss, but you also could over or uh, exaggerate the talent you have coming in. And by the way, for some of the parents, we have parents that may watch this show. It's not trying to single out anybody in particular, but what you saw Saturday night as a parent had to hurt, as anyone who loves Baylor football has to hurt. Sometimes you just have a, you just don't have one of those nights. You have a bad night, but that was bad because it looked like, in my opinion, Texas State, although Coach Aranda wasn't sure about that. Didn't he disagreed that they look better, uh, bigger, better, faster, and stronger, as Craig put out earlier 
in that game on Saturday night. I, I don't think that's a crazy opinion. I think it was pretty clear. I mean, I, you can argue bigger. I, let's look at the pictures. It, they were clearly bigger. <laughs> they were clearly bigger on the offensive line. Travis Roder in the site on uh, an overview who has the preview and breaks it down, and he was sitting next to us. He put up some videos of the on of the office and defensive line. Yeah, it was just hard to imagine how bad and how much physical force that was put on by Texas State on either one of their offense or defensive lines. Well, and it didn't help that T.J. Finley was also bigger than most everybody on the lines as well because he's a big cat as well. But no, I mean to to any, I mean I, I get it from that standpoint. I don't think we've called out anybody. In, the only person we've mentioned by name is Dave Aranda. Really, um, I guess Powell's name has been you know brought up, but I, I don't think we're we're singling out or being overly negative based on what we saw and you know being realistic about the situation as well. Uh, nobody's you know hanging national championship banners, but that's you're going backwards. I mean, and that's 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 undeniable. And um, now you're losing ground to a Texas State. They're a hotter brand now in so many ways than you are, and that's just that's that's unacceptable. If if you want to, you know, be um, the standard that you've been for a very long time now, you can ill afford to lose ground, and that's what they're in danger of. But like I said, nobody wants to see Dave Aranda. Well, most people don't want to see Dave Aranda fired. Um, but like he said, and and like we've acknowledged, it's it's about winning. I do think there were some bright spots. I think that. You know, there's some things here and there uh, that were good. And at some point, whether it's this episode or it's the Bearcast tomorrow or it's somewhere else down the the rest of the week, uh, we'll talk about, you know, the receivers stepped up and made some tough catches at times. um, But it just wasn't enough. And there also were, you know, Monterey Baldwin can't bobble the ball at the goal line and have that be a game-sealing intercept. I mean, there was just every good thing was trumped by a bad thing. Um, but we'll flesh out some of the good at some point. It's just there there wasn't a lot of it in this game in particular. No, there wasn't. Now, uh, a little bit later on, in fact, in, in about 15, 20 minutes, 15, no, 10 or 12 minutes, it's going to be J.J. Joe, who we saw when we were walking out of the stadium. And he had kind of a look of disbelief. Ricky Thompson will join us Wednesday on that, too. So we'll have that. But there's a chat room question that I'd like to ask. And, Chris, thank you for a super chat. Uh Rough week for the Big 12. Baylor, Tech, and TCU losing while Texas and Oklahoma won. Before they leave for the SEC, hurts, in my opinion, from Chris, public perception. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma winning is still Big 12, but it's kind of thought of as an SEC, kind of like if you want to add Colorado to a winner uh, uh, among the Big 12. What hurt was there are two games that we have been salivating for this week to see what was going to happen. Texas Tech at home against Oregon, Utah at Baylor because of the styles of those two programs. No matter what happens, and who knows what might happen, crazy things can happen in Lubbock, and who knows what might happen in Waco, but it does seem like the writing is on the wall, and I'm not afraid to say that on that. But, yeah, it took a little sting out. Uh, TCU, not the defending champions, but we know where they were in the championship game. It wasn't as if they just played poorly. They had a couple of bad mistakes, and they also ran into a a team that was absolutely locked in and very dynamic. And then the other loss was West Virginia against Penn State, but that was something I think most everybody expected, not the other three that you brought up. Chris, thank you for the super chat. Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked about tech at all. Uh, We need to do that and some of the other stuff before. Kim Coulter gave me a $1,000 super chat not to bring up the Texas Tech. Well, I mean, we talked about them as much as we did all offseason. We've got to talk about them when the actual season plays. But, no, I I think you're right. And, and look, we're not going to be like – Mr. Big 12, like there's Mr. SEC, where like everything is, you got to put spin on it and sugar. Like, I mean, look, it was a bad weekend because three of the 
teams that aren't leaving, three of the teams that you feel like can't help carry the banner moving forward and, and represent you at, at you know, um, it, not only in your own championship game on a regular basis, but on the national stage and perhaps even flirt with the playoff, you know, occasionally like TCU did last year. Um, you know, I think there's still K-State's out there and they're, you know, they at least they won. That would have been, man, you talk about disastrous. Yep. If they would have been a part of that as well. I think K-State's still a bright spot and, and don't really know about the rest of the league. I mean, yeah, it was it was a step back if you're, you know, a conference rooter and you were hoping that uh, you were just hoping for anybody to, to get to the playoff for the national championship game. That took a huge hit for sure. It took a lot of steam out of the sales in terms of the offseason hype, I think, for Texas Tech in particular. Um, TCU to some extent, and, you know, we've obviously spent the last, like, 45 minutes talking about Baylor in so many ways and how bad that was. So, yeah, not, not a great opening weekend. But, look, it's one weekend. Uh, the Pac-12 could go, like, six and six next weekend for yeah. all we know and and that dies down so it's going to ebb and flow but yeah not the way that you wanted to start it not going to deny that in any way but congratulations to the 10 teams that took took, took care of business yeah. not just tech. kansas state man i i look at scores mm. and i to me 45 to nothing is much more impressive than like 66 to 12 it there's just it means you controlled the game you did not let no matter who you're playing and I just thought that I was watching their score trickle in throughout the afternoon and evening. And, and just like that, that's what they do. That doesn't mean they won't be tested. They will at some point, but that that's kind of what they do. And here's the thing is, is K-State's right there, but Oklahoma and Texas still count. I mean, they still are a Big 12 team this year. Their playoff payout, if they are to go there, is going to go to the Big 12, right? So, um, you know, yeah, the, the uh, hateful eight, uh, outside of K-State, really took a, a knock because, I mean, look, Oklahoma State won, but that was not very pretty. So I, I don't think that they're hanging banners anytime soon. But K-State looked good, and then Texas and Oklahoma uh, looked good. So, you know, that's still technically Big 12, but I, I know what you're going for, and, and in that way, yeah, that not how you wanted to start off. All right, one note. Last week, uh, Craig and I on Fridays, because of our high school football commitment and also because of the bandwidth we need from what we do every day on this show. So Paul's doing Fridays, not always solo, because Garrett right here does a lot of the stuff, and I listen to it whenever I'm on my way to a stadium. And this week we have a a, a, a game on Friday again, and, and over the next, in fact, eight more weeks. But so we aren't a part of Friday's show. I bring that up because Thursday we put out a promotion. Uh, Kim Coulter, one of our uh, chat room dudes, uh, someone that stirs it up and also someone who's very, very, very uh, giving, but 15 $100 gift cards to Texas Beef House. And uh, someone is about to have their name called. What I did, and we're not going to do like this week we'll do something different. Might be more like in predictions where you go onto a link and you predict whatever. But last week, because we were running up against the clock, I said, okay, email me who is your favorite personality in the chat room. Email me, and I had the emails come into what is the Sikkim 365 email that I have. And I didn't even look at the emails coming in until I think I said 10 o'clock that night was the deadline. And then I started going through them. And the winner of the first week is retired stockbroker, had the most votes from you in the chat room. And, hey, uh, Kim Coulter's name was up near the top. I'll tell you this, it, it Paxton, very much a part of the chat room was a part of it as well. And uh, I, there's one other name that was in the top three or four. But retired stockbroker, Chris Yu, and that's your name, if you don't mind me saying that, I will have uh, 
Uh, Samantha Duvall from TexasBeefHouse.com. Get in touch with you for the $100 gift card. Thanks to Kim Coulter. Thanks to Samantha Duvall and Aaron Duvall and TexasBeefHouse.com. So that is the winner of what was a popularity contest, I guess. We had 178 votes. I didn't know if we'd get 20. 178 votes. It was pretty cool to watch them as they started to come in. When I started looking at them, we appreciate you doing that. Yeah, uh, like you said, uh, congratulations to a retired stockbroker and uh, cool on, you know, the the folks out there to to vote uh, him as the recipient. And uh, like you said, we need to come up with some different ways to do this throughout the year. But, uh, yeah, always shout out to the chat. I, I meant to say what's up at the beginning of the show, but we appreciate uh, you guys and gals as, as much as anything. And, um, yeah, we're, we're here for you, and uh, we just really appreciate all the support. A lot of people saying congratulations to it, and uh, we'll do something else, and we want everyone to have a chance. It is going to be this. You win one, that's it. So retired stockbroker now is on retirement from winning the $100 gift card so we can spread the wealth, and thanks again for that opportunity. When we come back, J.J. Joe, former Baylor quarterback, a part of the Baylor radio and uh, what he saw. He was kind of shaking his head when we saw him walking out of the stadium, too. He wasn't the only one. I think everybody was shaking their heads. But are we purposely, I mean, because we got a pretty busy 5 o'clock hour, right? Are we purposely, like, did Garrett make a mandate that we can't talk about LSU and Florida State? Oh, I'll bring no, it no, up. no, no. Here's I'll the bring deal. it up. And I, I haven't brought this up. And I didn't, I'm, Paul's not here today right, dealing with something right, that, yeah. that at some point we'll discuss. He's okay, but it, it's, it's, it's a tough day for him because of something he's dealing with. Uh, but um, – yeah, that was – I was watching the game as I'm working my I – mean, We can get to it later. I just want to make sure no, we're no. going to get to oh, it. We can get to okay. it. Okay, all right. All there right. was a point in that game where I said, damn, Daniels is, is, is better than Florida State's quarterback. And then the rest Jordan of the Travis. game happened. Yeah, then the second half of <laughs> and, Yeah, then the second half occurred. And not that Daniels was bad, but, I mean, wow. What a performance by the Seminoles in Florida State. Emphatic. I text Paul and O'Garrett. You and Craig were in a text, too. I text him personally. I'll say this. And then we go to a break. When I was asked in some, I forgot what it was, who is going to play for the national championship? It's like one of those where you keep picking teams. I said Florida State would be in the national championship game. I know they had LSU. I know they have Clemson. And I know they have other games that they have to deal with. I just had a feeling based on how they ended last year. And uh, and I know they won the bowl game against Oklahoma. I love that team that Norvell's put together. I do like LSU, and last year, remember, they lost in a different way in a really horrific-type ending. But who knows, Brian Kelly might be able to turn well, that thing back around like he did last year and, and, and go on to, into a nice streak. Yeah, I mean, you said a lot there. We can talk about it later. But, yeah, I mean, I think LSU's got a lot to go back to the drawing board and, and focus in on. That was not a good look for them on the second half of that game. But, yeah, FSU, just to your point, because we do have to run, very impressed with Mike Norvell, very impressed with the transfers they brought in. I mean, that was – Clear as day, the difference that that made last night. Keon Coleman on down the list. But, yeah, very, very impressive win by the Knowles, and they deserve to be right there in that conversation. All right. Uh, some of you asking questions in the chat room, we'll get to that. But we have to ask J.J. Joe, the former player, what he saw. Truth serum from J.J. Joe on the Baylor game and also just thoughts about the Big 12. And this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on. They're the people that I've 
count it on. They're the people that I will count on again. Uh, hopefully not too soon because that means that something's gone wrong with my car or I got to get something fixed up. But uh, when that does occur, whenever that happens and I do need uh, some help for my vehicle or I'm in the market for a new vehicle one of these days, uh, they are the people that I will count on and they're the people that you can count on as well. And right now they got a lot of great deals going on over at Richard Carr. There's a lot of construction out front, so it's a little bit more difficult to get to them. But because of that, they want to make it as easy as possible to get you into new Buick GMC or Cadillac right now 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s discounted thousands qualified buyers can finance 0.9 percent dozens of Sierras on the lot they've got the inventory they've got the financing they've got the pricing to get you in a new GMC Sierra today they've also got the lineup of uh, luxury SUVs when it comes to the Buicks Uh, rated number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by JD Powers Buick has luxury SUVs without the luxury price tags and right now you can save thousands 3250 to be exact on 2023 Buick Encore GX qualified buyers can also get 1.9% financing and no payments until 2024 I know when I start riffing off some of those numbers for me in particular not a big numbers guy it sounds like like Mandarin to me basically Uh, but all you have to do is go visit the website, give them a phone call or go visit in person. And they will help you sort through all of that. If you're, if you're kind of like me and get confused by all of the, the savings and all that good news is they got savings and they will hook you up when you talk to the dealership or head on over there. They've also got a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks. If you're not looking to buy new and uh, you want something a little bit cheaper as a result of that, but something that you still have great peace of mind and driving and is a, is a good vehicle, a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks, many of them under 25 K and their financing philosophy is 100 percent credit approval they say yes when others say no so there's that uh with the the pre-owns there's the new vehicles like uh the buicks and the gmcs that i mentioned but there's also that award-winning service department that i've had personal experience with standing by to keep you on the road today so check out the dealership in business for 24 years in central texas run by proud central texans and proud baylor bears log on to richardcar.com today call now or go see them now off highway 6 at the imperial exit I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa draft sun, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. 
Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-Waco-
JJ, um, I guess if there was a bright spot, and, and they were they were hard to come by, but there were some you know things here and there. But I thought Blake Shapin played his heart out given the circumstances. I thought Sawyer Robertson, given the situation that he was thrown into, played really well. There were some you know things to clean up, of course. But uh, what did you think of the quarterback play, and what are your thoughts as well? And and now that we have confirmation that Blake Shapin's going to be out at least a couple of weeks with uh, potentially you know three weeks or, or however many, but at least a couple of weeks with that. MCL injury. Yeah, it's good to have sorry let him get some game in and, and um, you know I, I was you know he made a couple mistakes. I don't even count the interception on him. I mean I think Monterey mm-hmm. kind of floated inside on him a little bit, but the fumble, you know, he was really just trying to make a play. So I'm glad he got some action and now he gets to prepare for a whole week. I thought he played a fine game for a young man that hadn't you know he didn't have really this this level of action. So it's gonna it's gonna be tough for him. Uh, coming in against the, uh, his first start coming against a team like Utah. I thought Blake played a really, really smart game, a really good game, and he fought through. Uh, I, I do not question Blake's heart. You know, I, I just hope, you know, if you if you played and you've also seen it and just watched it, you just hope the kid didn't snake bitten here. Um, you know, every time I look up, it's just something. And I'm, hope, I'm hoping this is, like you say, three weeks. I've had an MCL. In high school, it just sticks with you for a while, though. But I hope he gets back, gets healthy, and gets going. He played a fine game. You know, uh, I, I I think he did, too. And I, there were times I wondered if, okay, the offense just seems to be stuck in a rut. One, they couldn't run the ball, which is shocking, with all due respect to Texas State. But in the end, Blake, 21-31, a couple of touchdowns, did not get picked off. He had some drops, too. But Tough he was running at the goal line to oh, get in the end zone. They, I yeah. don't think he made – and this is, again, respectfully, I don't think Blake Shapin sacrifices his body at the goal line like we saw him in that game Saturday night, perhaps last year, like we saw Charlie Brewer probably do too much. Yeah, you're right. You're right. His mentality changed, and you could tell. And he was – you know, he was ticked that he – got pulled out. Now, I understand why Coach Aranda pulled him out um, because he just, like you said, we weren't protecting him up front. And, and I think our worst fears came to fruition this week at least is that we knew the offensive line was going to need a little time to gel. We just didn't anticipate Texas State really playing our offensive line like they did early in the game. I think they finally settled down and finally got a few runs in and protected a little bit better. And then also, uh, Texas State, we've seen this offense. Uh, and I think I asked Coach uh, Coach Aranda this question. Coach Bryles used to seek matchups. He used to hunt them like a shark. And as soon as they found him, he would get matched up against a Corey Coleman, a Kendall Wright, Josh Gordon, uh, Terrence Williams, whoever. Um, and he would go at them and say, make you yell mercy. And that's what Texas State did to us. They got matched up against our hybrid safeties, our hybrid star. They put Ashton Hawkins out there, and he didn't even have a big game. He had two drops. He could have been a star. They put Joey Hoban on us, and they made us call. They made us yell, "Uncle!" And we just never changed the philosophy. And that's what was surprising to me that when you get in the game, you have a plan, but you know the other team has a plan too. And when it ain't working, you say, "Well, we got to we got to scrap that and try to find out something else to, to do just to get out of here with the W." And, and it didn't happen, and that's what was kind of concerning a little bit to me. How do you? attempt to get the run game going JJ because it was a, a non-factor we saw very little of Richard Reese and you know Dominic Richardson actually you know had some tough runs there but what was just kind of your assessment I know everything problematic for the offense started up front but um, if you're running the wide zone and your bread and butter is supposed to be running the football and you can't do that well that's obviously problematic so how do you just sort of see all of that 
Yeah, you know, I went back and watched it. You know, that's a good crowd. I, I watched again. I was watching really line and early on, you know, Texas State was taking it to our guys. I mean, like Coach said, I think they're a little wide eyed and and I, I don't see how you're wide eyed, you know, first game of the year. You're at home, you're comfortable. Uh but but uh they, they did some things to us. You know, they really got the penetration. We finally adjusted to it a little bit, I think, in that, that late in the first half into that second half. But every once in a while, man, if it wasn't a false start, first and goal from the one, you get a false start. And we've seen this movie. We saw this movie last year. Uh, and then and we had that, and we couldn't overcome it. Then we had a first and 15. We'd have a first and 15 because we had another false start. And it was just like usually it was just one guy, but it was just a different guy every time. And either we were missing the block at the point of attack, we weren't sealing back to the mic, uh, number zero had a great game. I forget his name, but he had a great game uh, because he 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 was finding the ball. We were not sealing him, uh, the middle linebacker there. And um, it, we they they got to figure out how to try to find something that works. But I, I really think personnel wise, he has to find out and say, hey, look, I'm probably going to find the fastest guys I have on this team. Put them on the field for right now. Go to one tight end at the most, and then I'm going to have to try to give Sawyer opportunity and put the ball around the, the field and then let him run some because I think it's going to be a while before we're able to really line up and just move people. Uh, J.J., who was the more talented team Saturday night? Uh, you know, I, I, you know that's the smoke. if you ask me today, I mean, I don't think you like the answer because I think because sometimes what can happen is that a team can be so prepared. Texas State knew exactly, exactly what Baylor was going to do. And they game plan for it, and their guys look like they knew exactly what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, how we're going to do it, and why we're going to do it. Our team wasn't sure. We kind of knew what they were going to do on offense, but we hadn't seen this group of guys with this talent execute on film. And when you don't see that, you know the concept is coming. But I haven't seen this receiver run this route in this offense, this concept, the tempo. So it looked like Texas State was just better, if you just ask me. It looked like that. But I am going to sit here and say um, I do not believe that Baylor's drop-off in talent has been that stark in 24 months. I can't believe it. Yeah, and, and that's a question I asked Coach Aranda today in my interview with him was, have you taken advantage of the highs with the best season, the Baylor football history of 2021, the Sugar Bowl win, and since that time, it doesn't appear as if they've been able to do that. Well, hey, that's you know, you know, small. I mean, time will tell. But we saw last year we really, we really didn't, we didn't come out and put it together, and to start off this year with a very disappointing loss, uh, you know, that's something. And it's in today's age of, of portal and all this stuff, man. You, you just, mm-hmm. you, they have this. This is the season. I, I think against Utah, this is kind of the season because, you know, this is a tough month, uh, and you got to show. I think your fans and your players that are on your roster, some that transferred in that came here because Baylor did have that Big 12 trophy in their in their, in their trophy case. That, hey, man, hey, last week was an aberration. Let, let us show you. And it's going to be tough because your, your, your quarterback's not there. J.J., I think you've probably mentioned, a, you know, a couple positives here and there, but, I mean, to try and, you know, put a positive note on it, I mean, look, reality is reality, but what are some good things, if any, that you saw that can potentially be built upon or, or things that you can take into week number two here? Yeah, I, I, I really like the way our, our receivers played. I didn't you know, like they had separation. I think that the uh, 
I think that Texas State does a good job of scheming up some pressures on us and then sometimes just beating our guy. But I thought our receiver, I thought the, the tight end, I knew Dabney was a solid player, so I wasn't surprised by him. But Keetron Jackson had a solid game. Uh, Josh Burden, Hal, Hal Presley had a couple monster catches. Uh, I really like those receivers. They were young last year. This year you can tell that group is matured. So I, it's, it's, it's like I said, like, like, like this year, your line is not as experienced as last year, but your receivers now are showing you that maybe, just maybe, that is the crew that you have to lean on. So while I understand where we want to go offensively, early in the season, right now, you may have to say, hey, I got to put my best four, three, four receivers on the field and have them out there a little bit more than I normally would and then hope that I can figure out a way to start getting my offensive line up to speed. So, so I like those receivers. I did see that. I like Sawyer that he got some action. I thought Dominic Richardson ran really well. That was good to see. Uh, on defense, I, I was a little disappointed, to be frank with you, because we weren't getting pressure. And if you ask me, um, and I said this, I think I wrote this in an article, uh, Matt Jones, he is lost at the second level. I don't know what it is, but at the second level, we moved him off the ball. That guy has too much talent. He's NFL talent. But you got to tell him, go get the quarterback. And I think somehow we got to figure out, since we can't get to the quarterback, Matt Jones can get to the quarterback. we got to figure out how to get him to the quarterback because we've struggled for that now. We've seen it for almost two seasons. Hey, man, thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you Saturday. It will absolutely be an interesting game if Baylor has heart in it, and I'm sure they do. But, man, they got to – they got to figure it out because they got a like well a ball of razor blades coming into town to Waco with Kyle Whittingham and Utah. JJ Joe, former Baylor quarterback and also a color analyst on Baylor Radio. Someone in the chat room said something about JJ was a homer. Hell no! Did you not hear it? He was brutally honest, and that's good. He should be. That's why we have him on the show. Yeah, I think too though. Like sometimes when you are a part of a school broadcast, you can't just riff like no, you're, yeah. you know, um, just some national radio host with with nothing to lose. You've got to, to to maintain a level of you know respectable uh, opinions and whatnot. But no, I think he was plenty negative there. <laughs> I mean, I think he's he lined it up like like we all have, and nobody's under any illusion after what we saw. I do think in. You know, I wrote uh, good, bad, the ugly uh, every week, and there was certainly a lot more ugly than there was good this week. Um, but, you know, it is one game, and it is only one game. And if they were to beat Utah, which seems like a long shot, but if they were to somehow pull that off, like that changes a lot in just one week's time. And you, you do have to prevent yourself from getting too much on the roller coaster, right? right. Because then you just like, hey, we're good. Oh, no, we're not. <laughs> hey, we're good again. Oh, no, we're not. Oh, my God, we're, we're in the doldrums. Oh, wow. We, like, that's just to me... Uh, not that much fun to to ride the roller coaster up and down at you know every knee jerk outcome, but this is not just this past weekend. The frustrations. No, no. This is this is the TCU loss. This is the Kansas State loss. This is the Texas loss. This is the Air Force loss. This is all of the coaching changes that have been made on both sides of the ball that haven't led to much of a difference, quite frankly. And this is the fact that that Big Twelve championship was great, and nobody's taking that for granted. But it was also over a season ago we're in we're two seasons removed from that at this point those guys who won that many of them aren't on the team few of them are at this point and to go out of the gates like that with that kind of an effort and and as people point out just like the lack of energy it was just alarming it's like how could you not be up for this how are the fans more excited than you that was something that 
they're going to have to find a way to correct that. And that was a big talking point this season. But it wouldn't. It wasn't apparent that it had changed much well, at all in game one. And that's why this isn't just about Saturday. It's also some carryover from kind of what's been going on now for a little while. All right, when we come back, Phil Bennett, who uh, understands defense, longtime college football coach, we'll have him on to discuss what did he see with Texas State. He traded a text with me or two. I think it was yesterday. Uh, his thoughts about the play of Blake Shapen. If you hadn't hadn't heard earlier today, Dave Veranda mentioned he's out for somewhere between two and three weeks because of an MCL, uh, an MRI with an MCL injury. Could have been worse, but two and three weeks he's going to be out. So the youngster in Sawyer Robertson will also see what Martinez, uh, who's got some skins in the wall from his time in college football before he came to Baylor. When we come back, Phil Bennett, Baylor, Former Baylor coach and also longtime college football coach with us on 365 Sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. It's Labor Day. A lot of people not working. We are here. We have to be after the first full weekend of the college football season. But they are wide open at the dealership. And today and tomorrow, you still can take advantage of these weekend deals. The Labor Day special deals at Alan Samuels. I Receive these from Ted Teague, the general manager and CEO. Here's one, $12,000 off MSRP on a brand new 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab 4x4. That's available. $12,515 off MSRP, brand new 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie 4x4 uh, for the Labor Day weekend special. And there's this one, 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star 4x4, $11,500 off MSRP. 2023 Dodge Charger GT, brand new, $6,000 off MSRP. Uh, 2023 Dodge Challenger GT, $6,000 off MSRP. That's a brand new Dodge Challenger, the 2023. And just under $12,500, in fact, $12,466 off MSRP on the Ram 2023-1500 limited crew cab, 4x4. Those are opportunities. 2023 Dodge Charger RT, $7,500 off MSRP on the brand-new car there. Alan Samuels, open right now and through tomorrow, even though Labor Day is today, they'll keep this going through tomorrow. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. Save big during the Labor Day sales event at Allen Samuels. Get a new Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $3,500 plus 2.9% for 72 months with no payments for 90 days at Allen Samuels in Waco. Come by. Let's be friends. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. 
stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. WacoCustomMarketplace.com It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke and Craig Smoke. All right, Paul, out for today, and Craig and I both here bringing you the uh, the smoke show in a way with 365 sports and a good friend of ours truth serum about to happen transparency in Baylor a longtime uh, college football coach and former Baylor defense coordinator Phil Bennett thank you buddy for your time especially on a holiday but you though you're retired and that's every day but um so I thought that the best team on the field Saturday night in Waco and we'll get to TCU and Texas Tech and others, but I thought the best team, the most talented team, and the best coach team Saturday night was from San Marcos, Texas. You, you know, obviously the score would, would tell you that. Uh, I've always told you, David, coaching and what you do matters. Uh, how you use your players, uh, I, think, I think what G.J. did was outstanding. Uh, I look at this game, I watched it, with great intent, I rewatched it. You, you know, you can take three plays defensively in that game, and you could have flipped the game. You know, and and obviously uh, a couple of third downs that they could have got off the field, and then the 65-yard run. And uh, you take the plays on offense. You know, when they're in the red zone, they score. It's different. I really, I didn't see a huge athletic uh, difference between the two. I would agree with that. But I also saw if Baylor takes advantage and gets a couple of stops, scores, 
then, then you've got a game that probably they're going to win. This was Matt Pallage's debut as defensive coordinator, coach, and uh, just what were some, I mean, as you point out, like there were some stops that could have been made that, that flipped this result potentially, but just what did you gather in general, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, about how the defense performed in week one? Well, first of all, I've lived it, and you know, you, you, you're going to have good, bad, and, and hopefully, you know, I felt during my career I had a lot more good than bad, but you have those days. Now, one of the things that, that caught my attention, and G.J. and his staff uh, really did a good job, is in their tempo. We seem to not be able to get our defensive calls in. We played a lot of straight base, uh, especially on third down. I don't think we ever did anything to challenge uh, what they were doing schematically uh, of getting after the quarterback. And uh, when you play a Obviously, I practice every day against Art. Uh, you've got to have an automatic system, and you can't call just to call plays. Uh, they were tempo in us and, and really made us very bland and, and made us like it. Uh, now, I know Matt's a good coach, uh, and it's easy to be critical in the first game, uh, but I'm pretty sure he had watched the, the Incarnate Word stuff uh, what Mac and them were doing offensively, and, and really would have liked to have a little bit better answer during those those hurry up situations. Uh, that's that's the thing I saw and took out of it. Let me ask you this: and you said they make you like it. And Art, if he found a weakness, my God, it was uh, it was death. It was football death. And and JJ Joe just mentioned that to us. He would find whoever was the weak link, and then he would put Corey Coleman and Kendall Wright and Terrence Williams among others on that right. person and it got ugly what was it like it, it, and can you kind of compare what it's like when you were practicing against that the, the, and especially early on when you didn't have the dudes is it just oh, yeah. almost is it almost like insufferable and almost just nauseating and just a wear down well i, I want to tell you something you watched the game last night the florida state lsu game there was a a, a tremendous mismatch with number four on offense and 22 on defense. You know, you've got to find a way to help him. You've got to get a hard corner, let him let, get a guy over top, underneath. Uh, and the same thing Saturday on, on the kid making the great catches. You've got to take a chance of isolating. If, if someone's hurting you, you've got to take him away. And, and we just weren't able to do that. And, and that's what I say about coaching. You've got to have what I call stop calls. Where you're saying, all right, if this, and you know, going into the game, you know, this is probably a mismatch. So you've got to have those stop calls, two or three different ways that you can protect, especially corners and those sort of things, even linebackers. And, uh, you know, I thought a couple of times he did it one time, he ran the linebacker through tackle for loss. We never did it again. Uh, and, you know, that's the thing that, that I think that, that, Texas State did a good job of, they said, hey, listen, we're getting the looks that we want, and we're going to continue this. Now, on the flip side, you know, I thought, I think I told you in a text the other day, I thought offensively, just, if we, we were in rhythm. When you have 500-something yards, you're doing something right. I thought they had the right scheme. I thought they just got to finish plays, and they didn't finish. I thought uh, a couple of times our receivers could have made extra yardage after catch. Uh, so, you know, and where their receivers 
were. You know, you watch the one catch by the, the kid on the sideline. That was a game, you know, that became a game changer. Mm-hmm. Coach, if you are Dave Aranda, you are staff, um, whichever, you know, point of view, whether defensive coordinator or what, but how do you how do you get back to work after that? And it's it's so early. I mean, it's the first week of the season, but it was Absolutely. it was a bad loss, yeah. but but how do you go back to work after that? Well, first first of all, you lick your wounds and you and you evaluate. And when you evaluate, you be truthful. You know, hey, you know, how much of it was our players, how much of it was me? You know, and if I'm Dave Aranda, I'm gonna sit down with Matt. I'm going to watch it together and say, hey, what you're thinking? What, you know, we're going in, we thought this, this, you know, and, and I think I told you this, Smokey, uh, you know, with a guy that, that's first-year coordinator, Dave's got to be involved with the defense. Yeah. I mean, unequivocally, he's got to be involved. Uh, nobody else on that staff has ever had coordinator, and until you've called it, it's easy to say, oh, I can do this, I can do this. No, it's not. You know, uh, I've done it too long. I probably did it longer than anybody in the business. It's a humbling experience uh, when you start. And, and I think Dave will do that. Now, you're so right. It's first game. And even though as bad as it looked, as I said, you get a couple of stops and you win that game. It might be close, but you say, okay, we learned a little bit about ourselves. And, and that's the thing people want to do. We're in this instant gratification society hey they want to right now let's let's fire matt let's fire them you know, you know that's not the answer they're good coaches uh, let them grow with it and, and i think this is part of where dave earns his money he's going to go in and say hey listen this is what i envision us being defensively i've got to be more involved uh jeff has a grip on what they want i know now i know shape and I don't know how bad he's hurt. Out three, but, but he's, 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 he's out two or three weeks with an MCL injury. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, I even thought Sawyer played well, mm-hmm. and and, and I, I, you know, I don't think, and I, I don't. I usually don't pick sides, but I think offensively they could have won that game with with, with the exception of the turnovers. Um, and I think Jeff knows what he wants to do. I know the offensive line had too many uh, procedures. Uh, probably didn't knock people off the ball the way they wanted. You know, they lost a lot of people, and I'm sure, you know, they, they want to get more physical and get more coordinated in what they're doing. All right, so let's, if you don't mind, Dion and Colorado, uh, the huge change, a lot of hype. Uh, um, I, I got to tell you, Coach, when I, I, I picked the game up, they were already up, I think, 7 to nothing. I, I don't remember exactly why when I picked it up, but I did. I, I was incredibly impressed with the weapons they have and how well they were. You know, he's got a hell of a staff, but he's done a great job. Were you shocked at what you saw? You know, not really. And I'm going to tell you why. I, I never bought into TCU's defense last year. I thought they were bad. Uh, you know, and it wasn't just, the, you know, the one way they survived last year, they, they had some huge takeaways. And, you know, they were 130 in scoring, 130 in stops, um, and they lost some guys. Now, offensively, you know, you look at them, and even as bad as they played on defense, once again, they could have won the game if they don't turn the ball over. I, I mean, throwing the ball on third and one that, that when Hunter intercepted, turned the whole game around. Uh, I, I think 
uh, obviously Dion did a great job. Offensively, Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator who I know when he was at Kent State, he's an excellent coach. He challenges you. Uh, I thought as bad as uh, Baylor might have been on defensive Saturday, uh, TCU might have been worse. Uh, they had a back catch 150 yards, smoke of passing. Yep. Nobody was covering. Nobody was covering the back. You know, and and the game, the one that won the game was like a 70 yarder with no push to the flat. Uh, that's coaching. I mean, something was amiss. They had to have watched Kent State because that was a that was always a staple in this package. Uh, now, with that said, and I think I thought offensively. I, I thought Colorado was lights out. Yards offense. So it really wasn't a great defensive game, but but uh, I thought Deion's son, uh, uh, the running back, they're old, I thought they played very hard. Coach, I know we can't cover every game. So try to hit in the high point. You mentioned that one last night. That was that was the first half very entertaining. The second half, uh, a pretty dominant showing by Florida State. Uh, what did you make of, of the Knowles and LSU as well? But but Florida State obviously with that win putting themselves right in the the immediate part of the conversation when it comes to potentially the best teams in the country. Yeah, you know uh, the thing like I said, I, I look at it a little bit different. The first half. You know, really, FSU really didn't try to run the ball. Good. And and I thought LSU's D-line was dominating mm-hmm. their offensive line. The second half, if you'll remember, they came out and their whole goal, Chris Thompson, their run game coordinator, they, I texted him, they did an unbelievable job. They started running the stretch G with the pulls. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden it, it slowed uh, LSU's D-line down and they would get 9, 10, 15, 20 yards uh, and took a close game. And as good as the quarterback played, we lose him, Garrett? What was okay. the, the winner? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, I thought Jordan Travis, you know, again, initially Daniels looked like he was in control of that game, and I kind of thought that, and Travis a little wobbly, Man, did he, he, I mean, and you talk about, you talk about matchups. My God, do they have some tall, lanky, and physical players to catch the football. You know, all I could think about during that game (laughs) is is Mel Tucker up in East Lansing wondering how he let that number four go. Mm -hmm. Now, also, what about LSU? 55 miles away, Opelousas, Louisiana is where he's from, and, and they couldn't cover him on a bat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> coach uh, i know that you got to run but uh what's uh what's something that you would like to point out whether it be a team or a performance or a game um that we don't have to, to to pride you with what's just something that we haven't touched on that that stands out to you from this opening weekend well you know one of the things with, with it being such a big game this week is the texas alabama mm-hmm. is how mediocre texas played on offense I thought Rice did a hell of a job uh, of playing them, you know, keeping them off balance. I mean, they got a huge offensive line. Uh, they they got a quarterback that's played, and you would have thought you would have seen something, you know, closer to probably the the OU Arizona uh, Arkansas State score. Which, by the way, I thought 
I thought OU looked like a different team. Yeah. I yeah. thought they were, they were, of course, I knew Levy and Seth Luttrell. I talked to them on Friday, and they told me, they said, we're going to light them up. Mm-hmm. And, and they also told me that they simplified their defense, and, and he said, we're better. You and, said and I that. Think any time that they simplify and you have player and you shut somebody out, that's big. And, and you say what you want. Arkansas State has beaten some people before, and uh, they did a hell of a job. Now, you know, I thought Texas defense played well. But, you know, it's going to be interesting this week with, with Nick and Sarkisian. With Nick, you know, he's not sold on his quarterback either. So it's going to be interesting in Tuscaloosa how that plays out. And one of the strengths that Texas seems to have, although Ewers wasn't like flawless or anything, is their their receivers, their threats. And Alabama's got a couple of starters in the secondary that are day to day right now, which is interesting. We'll have right. to watch how that goes. Uh, it sounds like you got a hold of uh, Oklahoma because you said they simplified. That's something you mentioned to us even before the season started. Well, I just think you know this is such a fast game now, and that that. You better give you know, and, and I'm a, I would say this to Matt right now. We got to give our players simplicity, you know, and, and we, to get them to play fast, they got to have knowledge. Knowledge empowers you, and when you know what you're doing, you play faster. Um, I can go back to my experiences at, uh, uh, at Baylor, playing teams that tempo. I mean, we became a different team when you when you simplify and kids know what they're doing. All right, hey, that's just week one. There's, uh, there's a, you know, Baylor's got a ball of razor blades coming into town with Utah. That'll be a test, but uh, Aranda does know their offense coordinated pretty well. Uh, Texas Tech trying to bounce back from the loss to Wyoming. That Craig Bowl does a hell of a job in Laramie. And they, yes, have, he does. they have Oregon coming in. I know they scored, they played Portland State, but, man, they look really good no matter who they were playing, putting up 81 points. You know, I think this. I think Craig said it earlier. It's week one. You know, uh, you know, as this thing progresses, it all works its way out. Uh, I look at Tech. I mean, when they had the delay the and they're up 17, I'm sitting there going, this can be a nightmare. I've been a part of that. You know, and they lost their groove and they quit. And then the same thing you, you talk about with Baylor. I'm telling you, uh, I just have a gut feeling that Utah is going to—they're going to come into a hornet's nest, and, and and I think that I think Baylor will be ready to play. Now they'll have to, you know, they'll have to make plays to win, but but it, it wouldn't surprise me if that didn't happen. Thank you as always, Coach. Thank you so much, Phil. Great to have you on the show every week. Uh, people love it. The chat room loves it, and we do too. All right, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, that's it, Phil Bennett, former. College football coach, he coached everywhere, uh, including at Baylor uh, during the time when Art Bryles in 11 through 16. And uh, loved getting the feedback from a guy that has been in those rooms, the film work, et cetera, game planning, and also games that have been really, really good and some that have been like just got away from you. All right, 525, David Hellman just around the corner, 365 Sports. One note about Colorado in the game that Shadur Sanders had, they had four receivers over 100 yards. Yeah. Four. Not just like a couple of guys, four. Uh, then he mentioned Edwards. I don't think anyone ever touched him eventually in that. Uh, do you have the Ron Roberts tweet? This was interesting. Ron Roberts is now at Auburn, was the defensive coordinator for Dave Aranda from 2020, 21, and 22. 
And this was last uh, Saturday night after the game with Texas State. And by the way, 10-14 might have been right when that game finally ended. The sooner you make good decisions, the easier life becomes. He's now at Auburn, and I don't think there's any doubt the timing of when he put that up on his Twitter page. Yeah, I try not to read too much into tweets like that. Um, I'm sure that it had something to do with something, but I'm not going to attempt to decipher it. It's like when a recruit puts out, like, mirrors or hallways, hashtag something, and you're like, does that mean he's going to Texas Tech? And it's like, I'm just not going to do that. Um, So I'm sure that that's related to Baylor's struggles uh, in some way. I don't know what the hashtag means, though. But that's, that's, that's fine. He's got every right to feel that way. I mean, look, he was uh, a Big 12 a, you know, winning defensive coordinator two years ago, and then he's one of the scapegoats last year, Yep. period. Uh, he was one of the first you know, out the door after they uh, closed the regular season and, you know, landed on his feet at Auburn. I think Hugh Freeze kind of knows something or two about football, so I don't think anybody's, you know, doubting Ron Roberts' credentials and, and his ability to, to coach. So, um, you know, I, I would imagine there's probably some hard feelings there, but I'm not going to read too much into it. And, uh, you know, he's got to handle his own business as well. Um, but certainly there's there's probably a little bit of like, see, it wasn't me. It was, you know, it was this or it was that. It wasn't me, though. And, and who could blame him for feeling that way if that's the case? All right, when we come back, David Hellman, It's the opening week of the NFL season. He's also an LSU fan, so we'll always get something from him on that. Uh, Tomorrow, we'll look more and more into what's happening this week in college football. As I mentioned, uh, Kyle Whittingham, head coach at Auburn, excuse me, head coach at Utah, will join us, have a chance to visit with him tomorrow, earlier in the day. And Bill Hancock, who's the executive director of the college football playoff, he will join us also on the show. Mac Rhodes, that will be fun and interesting. This is 365 Sports. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. 
One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with David Hellman of FoxSports.com. Three sixty-five sports. David Hellman not answering and and uh, possibly pretty darn busy. This is the opening week of the NFL season, opening <laughs> up at Arrowhead on Thursday. Or yeah, sure. He That's is still why. in a, a comatose over the LSU loss to Florida State last night. Oh, this, there we go. Yeah, Travis. There, there's the real reason, I think. Travis Roder wrote an article summarizing the Baylor loss to Texas State. He does this. Uh, he said the overall pass protection rating on PFF, Pro Football Focus, was a 42, the worst since 2020 when they had a couple of games in the thir- in the 30s. And of course, that's the team that had six players on scholarship on the offensive line the first year with Matt Rule. No, no, Aranda's COVID year. I expected, this is Travis, the young offensive line to have some occasional gaps, but Baylor's offensive linemen, tight ends, and running backs consistently allowed pressure. According to Pro Football Focus, they allowed 27 quarterback pressures on 54 dropback passes. 27, every other play, every time they went back to throw, they were pressured. I mean, yeah, I think we pretty well established they they sucked on Saturday. I mean, in in every way, and that's just another you know stat to further show it. But yeah, it was an awful day for the offensive line. I think we've we've you know hammered that home of of it was a bad loss, and uh, you know there's a big opportunity this weekend against Utah, um, but it's just hard to to see again how something like that's going to miraculously change in four days time or five days time or six days time. So um, back to the drawing board. 
And uh, I know that Aranda pointed out, uh, you know, earlier in the day of, of the things they're going to try to do to, you know, change. But um, it is what it is, and all you can do is put it behind you and, you know, can only really truly go up from here. I mean, I suppose you could get worse, but um, that's when you start to see heads rolling if it got worse than what we saw on Saturday. But I think we've, we've kind of hammered that home at this point, yeah. All right, the, the chat room has been on many things from the, the games this week to also looking back at next week, and, yeah, Today's pinata, Baylor. No question. Even a couple of Baylor fans. I, I think you are. Um, here's one from Evil. Who will win? Who will Baylor beat if they can't beat Texas State? I don't know. Long Island, they'll beat Long Island. Yeah. They'll beat Long Island. And um, I think this week says a lot, um, personally, because I think if they can come out and be competitive, then at least there's like a um, a positive to cling on to um, because there's so much respect for how good Utah is that if they go toe-to-toe with them, and, yeah, even if they were to lose, I mean, that would just be, you know, it'd bring you down. But at least if you play well with Utah as opposed to the fact you couldn't play well with Texas State, then at least you go, okay, well, maybe they're not as bad. They're just, you know, they're not good, but at least, like, they can compete. If they don't – if they just get mauled by Utah and ran over, like, okay, there's Long Island. But after that, who are they going to – you know, yeah, yeah. Like who who are they possibly going to go out there and, and beat with, with any confidence? Um, you know, I think they're, like Oklahoma State didn't look great. West Virginia didn't look great. Um, OU did. Uh, you know, it just kind of depends on in where you want to go here. There's probably some winnable games when we get to that point. But if you're going to start off the year with bad loss to Texas State, mauled by Utah, you know, then you're going to eventually in a couple weeks get into Texas and at UCF, and it's, it could go downhill very, very quickly. So that's why this game, this weekend, it's not the end-all, be-all by any means. It's not do or die. But I do think it's incredibly important of how competitive they are. And look, if they can get a win, you know, let Utah think that there's no chance in hell. That's the exact kind of attitude you roll into town with to get you beat. I think they'll be smarter than that. But if somehow, some way, they could get a win, uh, then – Everything we're talking about this week is flipped on its yeah, head. So no. that's why, we, you know, it was bad. But don't need to, like, hammer it home every day this week of how bad it was. I, I think we've we've established it. Dave Aranda's established it. Everybody who watched knows what they saw. So now let's see what happens with Utah. And uh, depending on how that goes, then, you know, the, the conversations will be very interesting going the direction it's already started or, or maybe swinging back the other way a little bit. And that would be great news for, for Dave Aranda. But it's going to take – a monumental effort and a lot of uh, pieces and players and coaches uh, performing well above what they did this past Saturday. Yeah. Uh, also, life of Riley, please, please, someone explain how the Barrington brothers got pushed around like that. I get it with Tate Williams, but not the Barrington brothers. Uh, they're across the board. I, I don't have the, the grades because and, and uh, we're pretty much shut off from assistant coaches once the season begins. Uh, there have been very few times when I've kind of still pushed that envelope a little bit, not to like be like circumvent the system, but it, uh, maybe something that, that I'm interested in. But I, I don't have the, the pass blocking notes as far as the, the grades on who may have done well. But I'll tell you this, I would be stunned if anybody graded well at all after that performance on Saturday. Um, let's see. If Baylor beats Utah, is all forgiven? I think so. And no. then you become pissed off. Because, well, wait a minute, but I am not expecting in any way, shape, or form any kind of miraculous turnaround of winning the game. Can they? Yes. But even then, if you do beat Utah, then to me, it's even more of an anger because you lost the week before with all due respect to G.J. Kenny in Texas State. 
Yeah, but it would be um, – I, I don't think everything would be forgiven, but, yeah, it would be massive because the, the alternative is being 0-2, and, and you're going to be 1-2. and uh, All due respect to Long Island, but, again, it's hard to find many wins after that. So I do think it would be huge, it, but, no, it wouldn't forgive everything because it, it would, like you said, make you upset about, okay, then how did you not beat Texas State? That would be great for Texas State if, if they did go beat Utah. That would be incredible for them, um, but – I don't think all is forgiven. I think before even Saturday, there was already the feeling of like just complacency and, you know, just kind of being very middle of the road and not all that exciting and not really in the the bigger conversation that's occurring. Whereas you look around at your rivals and those who are going to be your rivals and they're getting way more of the spotlight uh, than, than you are, way more of the attention um, you know, obviously, if there was a saving grace from this weekend for for a Baylor fan, I guess, is that TCU lost and Texas Tech lost. Like, that didn't kill the, the, the bad vibes of the Texas State game, but at least, like, hey, we weren't alone, and other teams that, you know, could really use that against us can't brag about a win either this weekend. But that's when you know you're kind of at a low point is when you're having to rely on other people's results yep. to make you feel better about yours. And that's – I think that, you know, also points to kind of the position that they're in is – yeah, well, at least these guys, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be that program, and they really haven't been, and, and they, they can't start now. Um, so, yeah, it would help tremendously, but uh, this is going to be a long over the course of the season thing because there were points last year where things were great, and then they lost four straight to, to close out the year, you yeah. know? Somebody uh, said that Chris Bartles, that a guest that we had, mentioned they thought Baylor would win 11 games. I know we've had analysts who have said 8, 9, 10 Mine from the beginning, and I'm always more conservative with these things, and sometimes when you cover a team somewhat, you, you also can get caught up in that. It's possible. But I thought, just get back to a bowl game. But don't do it at 6-6. Six and six. Get back to a bowl game at 7-5, and five, see what happens. But obviously that's going to be difficult now because of who they still have left on the schedule and how few of the teams in the Big 12 have risen to the occasion early, and we'll see how it all eventually the dust settles. But I never felt like much more than seven wins. If they would have gotten eight, I would have been like, okay, that's great. I also, in 2018, after 1-11, I said, just get to a bowl game, and they did. I didn't expect how good they would be in 19 or in 21. I was wrong. I underestimated what they would do. Yeah, I never thought that they would win double-digit games, but um, I thought that, you know, this could be a team that won eight games. Um, you know, this one certainly was one that you chalked up, and if I eat crow on that, that's fine, but I never thought that this was going to be a, a double-digit win team or, you know, Big 12 championship or, or anything along those lines. I think you thought that that was possible if things went a certain kind of way and there were things that were way better than you expected or – if, uh, you know, others cratered um, or both happened and, and you could see a path there. But I, I've maintained pretty much since the start of the offseason and never moved off of a eight and four is about where I was. I think when you got eight home games, that's not asking a whole heck of a lot. When you made the changes that you made in the offseason, when you built it up the way that you did, um, that's why – like there's multiple reasons why that was a bad loss, but that was in particular was that this was coming off of an off season where you were supposed to be much better, and you clearly were not, and that's alarming. And now, yeah, every every speculative record is is a, probably a bit in danger unless you were somehow just going like, nope, they're gonna be a non bowl team. I mean, if you called that, then then kudos to you. But yeah, I think uh, double digit was kind of crazy. All right, so here are the games. Uh, do you have the Brett McMurphy tweet, Garrett? 
Here are the games that have odds already out for this week. Starting with Kansas, they're up on the top of the list because they're playing that game on Friday, four-point favorite against Illinois. Alabama's a seven-point pick against Texas. Then you have Colorado. That has changed since Brett put that up. I believe that's gone up three or four points from minus two to probably five or six. Utah's a touchdown pick at Baylor. Again, these will change a little bit. Notre Dame, NC State, these are all, most of these, not all, are pretty good matchups, not Michigan and or UNLV. Iowa at Iowa State, that's in Ames this year. Iowa scored 24 points or so, 25 in their win the first week uh, in the opening win against, uh, who was it that they beat? I even just went blank on that, but they did score some points. That was nice uh, at Iowa State in the rivalry game. Ole Miss at Tulane. That could be fun. Iowa won 24-14 to 14 over Utah State. Utah so. State. A&M's a five-point pick against Miami on the road. Oklahoma's a three-touchdown favorite against SMU at home. Uh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, that's pretty nice. Cincinnati quietly just went out with Emory Jones and had a really nice start to their season. Oregon, yeah. a touchdown pick at Texas Tech. Yeah, uh, Emory Jones looked good, and uh, that was you know big for Cincinnati. Just get a win right out of the gates, and uh, that's uh, going to be a – Nice little contest for them this weekend, uh, but I think, you know, nice start to the season for Cincinnati, a team that you didn't really know exactly what to expect just because of the turnover um, with Fickle leaving uh, after such a successful tenure. But, yeah, uh, nice start, and uh, I think uh, I saw Ben Bryant uh, did not perform well, their former quarterback. I felt like they absolutely could have a, a bit of an upgrade there with Emory Jones. We'll see over the long haul, but... Um, good to get a win in week one for all those who were, were able to. And that Texas Tech-Oregon game, I think uh, that's as much about, sure, like what you think about Tech and everything, but that's in Lubbock, and it's at night. And I do think that that probably plays into it a little bit, and maybe even more so that they'll be coming off of a loss. So they're a little extra rabid potentially. I don't know. But that game being in Lubbock on a Saturday night, I think does obviously uh, come into play when you're thinking about the the outcome there. But Oregon should and, and rightfully is the, the favorite heading in there. Let's close out that list, Garrett, if you don't mind, some other games for this week, including the game between, how about UCF and Boise State? Boise State, uh, I thought, played respectable in their game to open up the year, but lost. Mississippi State, Arizona, Pac-12, of course, went unbeaten. Mississippi State with their first-year head coach after the interim with Mike Leach passing away. Wisconsin, Tanner Mordecai threw a couple of picks, but otherwise put up pretty good numbers. They ran for whatever they wanted, and they play at Washington State. Could be fun. Auburn and Cal. Stanford, 30-point underdog against uh, USC. And there's Oklahoma State at Arizona State. Big 12 game there and a future Big 12 team. And then Purdue, a one-point pick against Virginia Tech. Those are the odds for week number two of some of the games. When we come back, we wrap it up. 365 Sports. I'm David Smoke, Craig Smoke, and this. And we appreciate your time in the chat room. Again, 365 Sports. PettyClinicalOT.com. Dr. Kent Petty wants to help you out. Do you feel the same? Do you feel lethargic? Is your energy level down? Is your sex drive not what it needs to be? Do you have problems with ED? Are you sleeping poorly? What's going on with you? What is it? Is it something within your system or maybe just your lack of exercise and you're not eating well? Could be all that. But also, as you get older, one out of every three to four men have symptomatic issues of low testosterone, and I mentioned a lot of them. So Dr. Campetti wants to help you out. You go online, pettycliniclowt.com, email, or you can call him. The number's in the top left-hand corner. The staff will set you up 
with uh, an appointment for you to get your blood drawn. Dr. Petty will get you results, look at your testosterone level, and if, they, and if it's too low, he could put you in a program to increase your testosterone level again. One out of every three to four men have these issues as you get older. PettyClinicLowT.com. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. It's another time to speak with Samantha Duvall from TexasBeefHouse.com. Handles the marketing and someone that you will talk to a lot when you do call for the great product of the Texas-raised Wagyu beef. It's college football season, tailgating. It's a big deal. People love to put beef and pork and chicken, etc. on the grill. Let me know what you have. We've got everything. If you've got a morning game, you can get our breakfast sausage or our bacon. You can tailgate with some breakfast tacos if you've got an afternoon or evening game we of course got our hamburger patties their half pound patties four patties to a package and we even have jalapeno and cheese patties they're amazing they'll blow your mind just that extra flavor not too spicy they have a high heat cheese so they don't melt on the grill and our patties don't shrink up on the grill either anytime you order use our code stickum 10 to get 10 percent off your order of a hundred dollars or more where is the best beef in texas your house when you order from texas beef house unleash the flavor of texas raised wagyu from our pasture to your plate that's samantha the Duval, TexasBeefHouse.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Three sixty five sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Well, I got a baseball update. We don't do too many of those, but uh, we're mainly focused in on college football. The Rangers and Astros began a series. They're both the game back of Seattle. Rangers won yesterday. Uh, Astros and Mariners lost. Rangers out to a 3-0 lead at home. And the Houston kind of like started this little downtrend, even though 
the Rangers had a great start to the second half of the season. They went to Houston, and they, I think, lost three out of four. And the, the Chapman was pitching, and he gave up a, a monster shot. Oh, the guy that was haunt, Tucker. And, and really, the Rangers had started a free fall. They are winning 3 nothing. They gave up three in the fifth, two in the sixth, six in the seventh, and they just gave up two in the ninth and are getting humiliated at home. 13 to 5. I'm not going to say they're done because they still would be just slightly ahead of the last wild card spot, but I don't know how they're going to hold on with uh, the way that their bullpen is, is going through uh, the, the wreck. Yeah, I mean, I love the Rangers, but uh, I'm, just, I'm glad college football's here. Um, not going to waste too much energy on what's been like a month long free fall now at this point, and especially not when it pertains to the Astros as well. Like, I just I don't get yep. into that rivalry, and I, I never will. And I, I you know, more power to you if you're an Astros fan. It's a big day for you. But, yeah, I mean, this has been a, a regular occurrence now with the Rangers, no matter who they've been playing for a few weeks now. And uh, the writing's been on the wall that they were probably not going to be able to find a parachute. And um, they're running out of, of opportunities. So, uh, you know, Astros have been there and done that multiple times. And Rangers had their opportunities to, you know, drive home the dagger or, or the stake. Um, and instead they've, you know, uh, been in a free fall, and I know the Astros have had their their issues as well. But um, I trust them way more to close down the stretch than I than I trust the Rangers. So I can't say that I'm all that surprised by that outcome. Before we go, can we get Garrett's thoughts on LSU and Florida State? I yeah, don't think I we ever to, got you to. Garrett sent me a text and said, "Just keep on filibustering." <laughs> well, we almost did, but uh, I would. It's going to be irrelevant by tomorrow. I mean, not not irrelevant because this will be a you know all week long. We'll be talking about Florida State's big win, but very fun first half. Like, it was fireworks, yes. and, and, like, it felt big time, and it was awesome to have Sunday night with a big game. But, man, what, what were your thoughts on kind of how it all unfolded? Um, okay, so first off, the major neglect and misuse of Harold Perkins is alarming and of concern out of the LSU camp. Uh, you have a guy who is arguably one of the most talented players in the nation, uh, you have a guy who is essentially a carbon copy of freaking Micah Parsons, and you're saying, hey, you know what? We're asking you to go sit in coverage and play outside linebacker and play spy on Jordan Travis and just not take advantage of your playmaking ability. And then when we get asked about why we're not doing it, considering we're already missing freaking your best uh, defensive lineman at Mason Smith, Brian Kelly has the audacity to say, you know what? He's just going to have to learn from it. No, sir. Like, dude, because I get – you know what? Modern college athletics, like real talk, Dion, somebody's watching that. Oh, yeah. And they're saying, you know what? You're a sophomore, Harold Perkins. Why don't you come over here and let me cut you loose? Mm -hmm. And it, it, it just stuff like that bothers me. I think the, the secondary outside of Major Burns is suspect. Granted, guarding Florida State is yeah. not for the faint of heart. Yeah, it's going to be tough for most everybody. Yeah. Everybody, dude. Like – I think we're going to learn a lot about them. They are really incredibly talented. Uh, hats off to them. I love the exclamation point touchdown Florida State put on at the end. Mm -hmm. If the tide was turned, I would hope LSU would do the same. It's a four-team playoff. Um, the, L the SEC bias that you get the pass, make a statement, make that you know the biggest differential you can have. Props to L uh, Florida State for doing that. Uh, offensively, the rushing attack is abysmal, just like Man. it was last year. Um, 
Josh Williams is a Texas kid, so like I root for him, yeah, but I'm, dude, I'm sitting there going, but, like, that's the best they have to offer at running it, back. It's kind of crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, dude. Like, okay, so Emory was out of the game, granted, but like Noah Kane can't get more nothing, touches. Yeah. Like, you get one touchdown at garbage time. Uh, Jaden Daniels leads you in rushing. And I know a lot of that was the option rushed, uh, the option offense they were running. He made a lot of – there was one in particular where he pulled it and kept it where if he – the running back would have been just annihilated. Uh, I think the offensive line, especially Will Campbell, did not live up to expectation. You got that number seven for a reason. Jared Verse ate you for lunch. Um, there's a lot of room to work with. And honestly, that was, that was a Brian Kelly coach team. That's what we saw mm-hmm. in big moments when he was at Notre Dame. Uh, you got to get that fixed. Yeah, that's what I saw a lot uh, in the he kind of initial reaction was like that was bad Brian Kelly. That was you Brian know Kelly. coaching example and yeah, I mean especially because he talked noise going into that yeah, game. Like, like on, he was dude. talking about you know they were gonna go out there and kick some ass and yeah and uh, they did they you know again fun first half but Florida State made it very clear who the better team was uh, over four quarters and that wide receiver group is going to be Coleman nightmarish for for everybody they line up with defense was nasty I mean they they were really good and uh, I loved like you said uh, I'm glad that you pointed out but Norvell just kind of driving the the stake home at the end and they showed a clip of him and he's just like yep like that's exactly what we wanted to do and I love that they did that because you're right. There is, I mean, it's Florida State, so it's a brand. But you know, more often than not, SEC gets the benefit of the doubt. So you got an opportunity to make a statement, not just a statement, make a statement against one of the top teams from the top league, who's yep. also rated higher than you and considered a contender. And you can just right out of the right oh. out of the, the the gate, just go and do that. Uh, the way that they did was mightily impressive. Very so. impressive because it wasn't easy initially. I mean, it no. could have been one of those. They could have slipped a little bit. Well, I mean, I thought what LSU's, they did wide, work, LSU's wide receiver's got to catch the yeah, football, like Lacey, man. Dude, like, the ball yeah. hits you in the bread basket. Uh, just catch it. On Perkins, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm watching the game. And I'm kind of doing things while I'm watching yeah. the game. And I kept, like, they mentioned him, and, I, and they had put him in a position where he really is not able to be no. disruptive. For whatever reason, and I realized, wait a minute, that's the dude that dominated number 43 yes. from a year ago. And I didn't even realize that because I never heard his name called. And when I finally did, I was like, oh, there he is. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, bad. I thought I was brought a, it up for you, Garrett. I thought that was a fun way to close out the weekend. But don't forget tonight, Clemson, Clemson and Duke. And Duke yep. um, so that's going to be coming up here shortly. And uh, excited to see Kate Klubnick and just yep. how uh, Garrett Riley's now come in and, and done his thing in Clemson. And so that's fun. And Mike Elko and the Blue Devils had a really Riley good year last good, year. Dude. Yeah, so that's going to be a fun little game to close out what's been a an awesome weekend. I mean, I know if your team lost or if your team lost badly, as we, we've touched on one fan base in particular uh, enough today, but, um, man, we got a lot more of this left to go. I'm just I'm so happy that it's here, though. Yeah, and we actually too. have games to talk about and, and real results to, to pour through. So. We, will, we will do it again tomorrow. We'll look more into the future, but we'll still have segments that look back at the weekend. Again, Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham tomorrow, Bill Hancock from the College Football Playoff Committee. We will discuss the weekend of hell for Baylor uh, with Mac Rhodes and and what it, it does to his situation as the AD and what he's thinking about too. Garrett Ross, great stuff. Uh, Emery Winter is putting together as he does brilliantly every day tonight, ten thirty on the CW local CW three sixty five Sports tonight. For Craig Smoke, thank you, Paul. Back I think either tomorrow or Wednesday. All of our sponsors, those of you in the chat. Congratulations, retired stockholder, for winning the $100 TexasBeefHouse.com 
uh, gift card for the popularity contest from last week. This week we'll have more rules of what we'll do by Wednesday's show. I'm David Smoke. Thank you so much. Have a great day and good night on 365 Sports. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com or call us at 833-IDEAL-MRI. 